Blog Talk Radio. Top of the hour and the top of the evening to you. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of BAMS Radio. It's Iron Bowl week. We are fired up. We're chopping at the bit. Our mouthpieces are in. Our cleats are laced up. And we are ready to kick some tiger butt. I'm your host, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com. Joined as always by Thomas Watts and Drew DeArmond of Alabama Intel. And at church in Hunter Street Baptist, when someone hasn't been. To Sunday school for a while, and they finally show up. We call them a visiting member. Tonight, <laughs> we have a visiting member, in fact, a visiting founder of BAMS Radio. Greg, the Birdman Calhoun, is with us. Bama Bird in the flesh on BAMS. All is white with the world. Hello, Bird. How you doing, buddy? Man, I couldn't be any finer. Thank you for asking, Carrie. And I'll tell you, I'm excited about tonight's uh, show and excited about this weekend's game. I, I you know, I'm, I, I've done my studying and I've done my, uh, my reflections and pontifications. And uh, I, I, I actually will kind of want to just sit back and listen to you guys talk because I, I think I know what I think. But, hell, I've, I've been so wrong on so many games this year that it's like I don't know if I know anything about football at all anymore. We're going to have a variety of scouting reports. Uh, you, uh, Bird from his studying – uh, Thomas from his studying, uh, Drew and I will riff and talk about injuries and things like that. And then we're going to be joined by several big names in the Alabama family. Uh, we're going to hear from Colin Dixie McGuire, a manager on the 78-79 national championship teams. He'll be calling in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama magazine. He'll be calling in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to hear from Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South who gave very insightful analysis on both Mississippi State and LSU for the BAMS listeners and did a great job on both. He's chomping at the bit to talk Auburn and their hurry-up-no-huddle offense and how Alabama can slow it down. And then second hour, we're going to hear from the venerable Kirk McNair, who was, back in the day, the role that Jeff Purinton plays today for Nick Saban and his media liaison. Kirk McNair played that role for Paul Bear Bryant for most of the 60s and 70s. Uh, and so he's got some great Auburn stories to tell. And Kirk was at tonight's Nick Saban press conference where Coach updated the injuries for this week's Iron Bowl. So, uh, Bird, uh, you and I are about the only two on here old enough to uh, uh, remember this until we are joined by a special guest you lined up, Bob Lockamie, uh, our designated AUB. Uh, he'll be joining us also later this hour. But the three of us remember back in the day when Ed Sullivan used to say, we got a really big shoe tonight. Well, we got a really big shoe on BAMs tonight, Bird. But, but Terry, you've got to cross your arms and, and purse your mouth like Ed did. You know, it's a really big shoe. And, and, I, and you're right. I think that everybody else in the world probably has no clue what we're talking about. So we've just made that a complete inside joke. I know Thomas, Thomas and Drew are like, what? 
But, uh, hey, let's let's go ahead and bring on Drew DeArmond of uh, Alabama Intel. Uh, Drew, happy Iron Bowl week to you. Uh, good, good, good to be with you guys again, man. You know, we've been waiting 365 days to wipe this commercial off the TV. Uh, you know, a little bit sick and tired of hearing Rod Bramlett's voice. I'm ready to hear him whine some more. Same way with uh, Stan White. Uh, ready to buckle up, finally get another shot at Auburn, and uh, prove Colin Cowherd wrong again. Colin Cowherd? Cowherd. Isn't that uh, profes- unprofessional to call a a, a fellow journalist uh, something deprecatory like a cow turd? If the shoe fits. But I was only quoting Phyllis from Bird. <laughs> she came up with that. She yeah, her credit. I give Phyllis all the credit. In fact, yeah. Phyllis is, is probably the uh, uh, spiritual strength behind the Bama Nation. So, anyway. It's definitely her, not Jim from Tuscaloosa. No, no. Jim Jim needs to uh, Valium and things like that are good for Jim. His real name, by the way, I kid you not, is Dick. So uh, he goes by Jim on the radio, but his name in real life is Dick. And that is not a, a derogatory statement. That is the man's name. And also, uh, Charles from Realtown, legendary caller on Fine Bomb, who's now become nationwide. His real name is Kenny, and he does not live in Realtown. He lives in Tallahassee. And he raises miniature horses for a living. So there's your uh, War Eagle fun fact for the week. Too funny. How, how do I know this, Bert? A few years ago, the very first year Bryant Denny hosted the state championships in high school, Realtown participated. And the mayor of Realtown overheard us talking about fine mom callers. And he came up to me and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Sir, you're in the media. I want you to know this. His name isn't Charles, he doesn't live in Realtown. He's Kenny from Tallahassee. And I said, you know what, Mayor? Thank you. That is gold. I will file that one away. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Can't make this stuff up. No. So, guys, uh, we have, uh, you know, unfortunately, during the uh, 48-14 victory over Western Carolina at homecoming last week, it began to look like a mass unit on the side at Bryant Dean Stadium. And we, we got to where guys were just being wheeled off left and right, and people were panicking. But as of tonight's Nick Saban press conference, Drew, it appears that only Brian Vogler, senior tight end, and Ardarius Stewart, redshirt freshman wide receiver, slash Kenyon Drake playmaker, might be the only two that, that don't play Saturday, Drew. It looks like that, Terry, and that's basically what everybody was expecting. Uh, both of those guys sprained knee ligaments. You know, you hope to have those guys back. Uh, should Alabama take care of the Tigers and move on to the SEC championship game, hope to have them back. Uh, for Atlanta, but that's still up in the air as well. It's, uh, you know, a little bit sad for Ardarius as a young man who was really coming on the last month, as you said, had taken, uh, you know, the role of Kenyon Drake pretty much in the offense. Now, you know, from what Coach Saban said at the press conference tonight, Kerry, we might see Tyron Jones uh, get some touches Saturday. He did a very good job. I felt like he was the bright spot after Ardarius went out with the uh, injury offensively. Uh, I think he sparked him near the end of the first half and then did a good job in the second half. And uh, he's a young guy that has always had the talent but kind of needed to manage himself off the field both in the classroom and away from the gridiron. Hopefully he's gotten over a hump because I know this. Uh, when those four running backs were signed in the same class, Alvin Kamara now is going to be a Tennessee volunteer, uh, Tyron Jones, Altie Tenpenny, and Derrick Henry, Nick Saban's favorite with number 20. And uh, the kid's got a lot of talent. 
Uh, as Coach Saban said tonight, sometimes it takes a kid a little bit longer to adjust. But Tyron Jones has ability. He can help him in the slot. And I was also very, very happy for Chris Black. Interviewed him in the locker room, in the media room afterward. You could really tell he's a good kid. He's been waiting for his opportunity. And, uh, you know, he may get an opportunity Saturday. He could, Drew. And, you know, every time he scores, wearing that number 20 and being about 5'8", I keep wanting to see the Sherman shape. Yeah, man. I keep wanting to see him. And I, and I think back to 1994 and uh, – the way that, that Sherman Williams ripped Auburn a new one that day. But uh, I digress. Uh, we do have our first uh, calling guest on the phone right now. Uh, every time I, I hear him and see him and think about him, I remember the movie from back in the day called Selma, Lord Selma. So I'm going to bring on the pride of Selma, Alabama, and of Touchdown Alabama Magazine and .net, Stephen M. Smith. Stephen, welcome to BAMS Radio. How are you guys doing, man? How are you guys? Roll Tide, baby. We're just as blessed as we are broke, man. How about you? Doing outstanding. Uh, just, just going over here, some of these iron bone notes here myself, and this is going to be another huge game, another huge chapter in a book that has too many pages. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's, we don't want to add the Book of Mormon to the Holy Bible, so I, I'm, I'm ready to keep it with uh, you know, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, and let's just keep this chapter rolling. Okay, well, Stephen, give us the uh, give us the cliff notes about this game, buddy. Yeah, baby. Some uh, notes of this game is going to come down to especially the offensive and defensive lines of Alabama. Offensive line, uh, Cam Robinson is back. He was in practice for the third day this week, practicing a lot with the uh, first team. It's going to be up to the line of what to really uh, neutralize Auburn. I know um, Auburn will travel without defensive end Devontae Lambert. He is out for the season with a knee injury, Devontae Lambert had three and a half sacks for Auburn. So if you look at it, Auburn's going in with the two interior linemen, Gabe Wright and Montrevious Adams. It's going to be up to those two guys to really try to stop the run game of the Alabama Crimson Tide. So offensively, Alabama has to move Auburn off the ball, establish the edge with O.J. Howard at tight end, and also Johnston Fowler at fullback and be able to block a defensive line they have to negate the edge. We're talking about guys like D.J. Pedway, Xavier Dixon, try to take the edge with Auburn's run game, you know, and force Rock Thomas and Cameron Otis Payne to run to the teeth of that defense and allow guys like Trey DePriest and Reggie Wagner to make tackles. So it's going to be Alabama's offensive and defensive line. It's, it's going to be a trenches battle from the word go. And Alabama's offensive line has got to set the edge and the defensive line has to negate the edge. Absolutely. Great points all, Stephen. And uh, the Alabama secondary, we must add to what you just said, has got to be very smart with their eyes. They've got to have what Stephen calls eye discipline. Uh, no matter if it looks like Nick's going to run or not, Cyrus, you've got to stay on Sammy Coates. We cannot have a repeat of last year. Yeah, I tell Sammy Coates, and also with the secondary, it comes down to those one-on-one situations, your guy against their guy. Alabama has got to make tackles, no yards after contact. they got to wrap up and secure tackles. Well, Stephen, do you, uh, what do you, what do you, how do you see this game? Do you see Alabama coming out with a victory? What's your score prediction for the Iron Bowl this go-around? 
Most corporations go around. I think Alabama comes out loose and they come out focused. Uh, my score prediction, I have it 38 to 20. I think Auburn scores. I think Alabama in the second half, you, you see an Alabama team that's more so of a second half team anyway. Uh, funny statistic here Alabama has outscored its opponents 163 to 43 in the second quarter. So it's going to be up there, Alabama, to start strong and also finish strong. So I have the Crimson Tide 38 to 20. I, I like that score. I, it's very close to what I have, Stephen. Uh, I have 38-17. to 17. Uh, If anybody else wants to volunteer their score, go ahead and throw it out there. We can do them again next hour. Yeah, I said 35-17, boss. So, I mean, we're all in the same book. Yeah, I, I got 34-20, Alabama. I think they're going to come out smoking offensively. I think they're going to be balanced, and that's what they have to do. I think Lane Kiffin, unlike his predecessor, will be aggressive offensively. Uh, and that's what you have to do against this Auburn defense. They're not very good either against the run or the pass, honestly. Uh, and, and they lack pass rush punch. Uh, you know, with Lambert out, uh, no Carl Lawson, uh, no Whitaker, all those guys are out. And I think they can wear Auburn's defensive front down. And I just think, honestly, it's just going to come down to the decision-making of Blake Sims. If he makes good decisions, and he's played pretty well at home. Didn't play great last week, but the whole football team was a little bit – was looking – frankly, looking ahead to these guys. I just think Alabama's got too many weapons. And I think, unlike last year, the team had plateaued. This team's getting better. And I think Alabama's defensive line's a lot better unit than it was last year. And I look for them to be, you know, the difference in the game. Nick Marshall will make a few plays, but I think they'll contain him and eventually make uh, Auburn turn the football over. To be blunt, I don't really give a crap. Duke Williams is playing. I hope he does. I don't want any excuses, and I want to wipe the floor with Auburn and move on to Atlanta. Well, well for me, I think the game's going to be a little bit closer. Like, I've got 31-24, 31-27 kind of thing. Uh, this this game is Auburn season. Yes, I think that the the uh, one of the ESPN commentators said Auburn has hit the wall in their schedule, but – this is their season. I think they're going to come out and they are going to pull out all the stops and it's going to be kind of hairy, but I think Alabama will win. By what score, Thomas? Oh, like 31. I'll go 31-24. I'll go a touchdown. Wow. That close. Mm-hmm. Auburn's defense is not very good, but their offense, it, it, it's concerning that Western Carolina was able to hit Alabama where they hit Alabama because that's exactly what Auburn wants to do as well. But we'll talk Alabama about was, we, 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 we got, Yeah, we've got we've got more conversation on that, but I think we've got a guest on hold. Should we try to try to get him on with us now? Yes, uh, Stephen. Any closing thoughts before we bring our next caller on? Uh, no closing thoughts. It's going to be a great weekend, great Thanksgiving weekend, great Iron Bowl, and uh, looking forward to all of it. BAMS Radio Tailgate. We will see That's you right. at the BAMS Radio Tailgate, hosted by Big Head Chuck Barbecue. Yep, hey, Big Head Chuck. Can, and, uh, can, can go on that. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Speaking of Big Head's Barbecue, he's uh, not only the official barbecue sponsor of BAMS Radio, he is also, and Bert, I haven't even told you this, but he's also been deemed now the uh, sponsor of our call-in hotline. And uh, anyone who wants can reach us by dialing the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline to BAMS Radio, which mm. is 714-510-3707. That's 714-510-3707, the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline on BAMS Radio. 
Coming up next, right now on Hull, let's bring him in, the uh, pride of Greenville, Alabama, former manager under Coach Paul Bear Bryant, uh, member of two national championship teams in 78 and 79, your friend and mine, Colin Big C. McGuire. What's going on, big man? All right, Kerry. Hey, Drew. And I want to thank Drew for being on last week on the show. Really enjoyed you yeah, being on there. Yeah, I had a good time. Dude. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, uh, who was the guy that was on before me? Same as, as His name is uh, Stephen M. Smith from Touchdown Alabama Magazine. He calls us every couple of months. And uh, we've also got tonight on uh, Big C, the founder of BAMS Radio, uh, Greg Calhoun, a.k.a. Bama Bird. He's the original host, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So he's with us tonight also right now. Yeah, where's Greg Calhoun from? Because I know a Greg Calhoun in Montgomery, but this ain't the same Bluff one. Bluff Park, Alabama. Bluff Park. Greg Calhoun in Montgomery is a very, very rich man. He owns a bunch of grocery stores. That's the one. That's the one. That's Everybody the one. Everybody knows this down this way. You're right, he owns a bunch of grocery stores. sure does. Well, uh, yeah, this I one know I was doing all right, too, so don't, don't let him fool you. That's good. It's a big week, Big C. It's Iron Bowl week. Uh, it's, it's a chance to uh, finally stop all the kick six talk that we've endured for the last 360 days. Um, you were a part of some, uh, some pretty big Iron Bowls back when you were in school, and uh, the first – we, the first one we already talked about uh, when, in 1979, you watched uh, Jeremiah Castillo, a true freshman, save yep. your national championship ring by running James Books down on a kickoff return. We had you rehash sure that. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit of, about something from the 1978 Iron Bowl at Legion Field? Oh, that was pretty good. Um, uh, thank you. I'm glad you wanted me to rehash on that one. Uh, Hopefully the outcome will be uh, is, uh, bigger uh, sp- uh, margin of victory or mo- bigger Saturday. But the thing was about that game, I remember uh, going in that game, we had a three-week layoff. If you remember, Alabama opened up the season against Nebraska on September 2nd. The game was going to be on November the 25th. But for TV reasons, they moved it up to September the 2nd. So, Alabama played LSU on November the 11th, uh, the Super Regional game, and then after that, three the, the following week we took the whole week off from football, and then the next two weeks got ready for Auburn, like you know, like we always did, you know. But anyway, uh, I knew we were going to win, but one day, and I can't go into the details, but there was a there was a practice going on. It was a bad. Well, it was sort of an overcast, rainy day. Coach Bryant called us down. He came down and he and he sort of chewed on the team about how they were playing and that they didn't do right. They were going to lose to Auburn. And I don't know. I right knew right then and there we was going to pull it off. Then I wasn't worried about it. But still, when the game started that day, Auburn, uh, we got ahead of them. There, there, you know, they were sort of moving the ball on us. And if you remember, right before the half, the score was thirteen to ten, Auburn. And then William Andrews fumbled, and Murray's leg recovered it. And right before the half, Rutledge throws a touchdown pass to, um, I think it was Rick Neal, if I remember right. I know he threw a one to him and two to Bruce Bolton that day, but I think it was Rick Neal to make the score all of a sudden 17 to 13. And I'll be honest with you, I said I felt pretty good. And then after that, the second half, 
outscored them seventeen to three for a thirty four to sixteen win and Marty Lyons played a great game that day and Stedman Sheely scored the last touchdown and I'm trying to think what else happened though. We scored a touchdown, kicked the field goal and then they kicked the field goal to make it twenty seven to sixteen and then Stedman scored at the end of the game near the end of the game make it thirty four to sixteen and you know what you can go on uh, YouTube and see highlights of that ball game. Remember on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Bill Fleming had a, a NCAA, you know, sort of a show that showed highlights of different ball games from the day before on Sunday afternoons around one o'clock. And you can right. go on YouTube and write uh, uh, Google in nineteen seventy eight Alabama Auburn game, and you can see the highlights of that game. But it was, but it was a dime. We started out a little slow. And then when we scored right before the half, and then just dominated the second half, the win going away 34 to 16. Okay. One more question for you before we let you promo your show. Uh, Big C, now, you, the first time you were ever on us with us, you did talk about the play where Castillo ran James Brooks down in 79. I want to ask you about a play that happened a little bit earlier in that ball game. A uh, Auburn defensive back who was highly touted coming out of a Montgomery private school. And related oh, yeah. to a politician, uh, related to a well-known I don't know if he's related to the politician, but his brother was Terry Beasley who played at Auburn. Though. There you go. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Terry Beasley uh, you know, his, was his older brother. Jerry Beasley was the player. And the guy he was trying to cover was Keith Pugh. And I think you remember the play I'm talking about. Uh, Is that on the way to recap? Recap that play for us. It happened in the first quarter, uh, uh, where basically, basically Beasley got his jock strap buried on a in and out. That you call. I, I was I was standing on the sideline. They went up, I believe, three to nothing, if I remember right. And then got the ball, started driving downfield, and then uh, it was a sideline pass. And made a little move on him, like you said. He fell to the ground. His jock strap was on the ground, and few catches the ball who played at Monroe Academy, another private school. But uh they ended up playing I mean, you had three players that played at Alabama from there, well Joe Dale Harris and K J Lasley, but he he made a great move on him and all he had to do was run, run in there and it was six. You know? And that was yep. that in that and, uh, particular game we fumbled around too much uh, if they didn't fumble around we would have it would have been a blowout but made it too interesting of a ball game that day. Yeah, and talk about the drive at the end of that game that, that Stedman Sheely uh, led to keep the national championship hopes alive. Okay, the first play from scrimmage, I remember this too well, runs around in and pitches the ball out to Major Ogilvy, and he fumbles the ball, but he picks it up and gets a four-yard gain. And then uh, about a play or two later, Talking about Keith Pugh again, he gets his a pass on the sideline, and then they had another private school player named a guy named, I think his name was Daryl Wilkes. He was from Glenwood Academy, hits him late out of bounds on the 42, so it moves up to the 27. So the next play, they hand the ball off to Steve Whitman. He goes 20 yards downfield. I mean, it was just a just a little old read play, and he just takes the ball, you know, standing hands and the ball off, and he goes 20 yards downfield to the seven. And then on the next play, Stedman goes around left end, cuts up, and scores, and then we go for two, and he makes that, and it was 25-18, and then there's where James Brooks comes into play, and then that was stopped, and basically that was the game after that. Uh, 
actually stopped well, on that didn't drive. For the ones that didn't hear it a few months ago, go ahead and, and, and take them through the uh, kickoff return by Brooks and the play by Castile and what was going through your okay, mind. Okay, all right. This is what happened. All right, we go up 25 to 18, and they did what you'd call a safe kick, kick the ball to the corner. Well, he catches the ball, and what he does is he goes straight down the uh, sideline by the press box side. And next thing you know, when he gets around the 30, he cuts across the field. Almost sort of like how Forrest Dump in that movie cuts across the field. And the <laughs> next thing you know, I'm sitting there, standing there, and I said, oh, my God, my mind, I said, everything I want, national championship ring and blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that, is about to go down the drain on this way. That was going on in my head. And all of a sudden, here comes Castile out of nowhere and catches him on the 31-yard line, and then we held him, and then I think, they held it. We punted back. Anyway, got the ball back, and the game was over. We punted the ball. The last time I remember punting to them was about a minute left in the game, and that was it. It's, they couldn't uh, held them in check, but it was uh, they made it very nerve-wracking that day. And the main reason why it's happened in the third quarter and in the second half, they had the, had the 12, ball, 12 plays and lost five fumbles, which makes anything interesting. I tell you this: if Alabama does not do that Saturday, they can play error free like they have the last two SEC games in, or not the two. Well, let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to think. A and M and uh, A and uh, Mississippi State did not commit a turnover. They're error free Saturday. It's going to be. Uh, it won't be close. Or shouldn't be close. Well, Big C, that's that's great stuff, and I want to thank you for sharing it. We do have our next guest on hold, so before we let you go, go ahead and. Tell them how they can watch uh, Talking Bama with Big C on the Internet. All, right, all you got to do is go to jockjive.com, look up Week 14. It's coming out Friday. Talking Bama with Big C, and I will do a recap of the Western Carolina game, the history of the Alabama-Auburn series, and also a prediction. So if you want to know what my prediction is for that game, you need to go on jockjive.com, Talking Bama with Big C, Week 14 this coming Friday. And I, what do you what do you want me to call you this Friday? Uh, we'll go, uh, let's say, about 740. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. All right. Well, listen, thank I need you. to let you go. Thank you, Thank you, Roll Tide. Thank you, man. Roll Tide. Drew, Roll Tide, Big C. That's Colin Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama. And uh, what he was talking about there at the end is that Drew and I helped him out a little bit on this uh radio show that he does uh, from 7 to 8 every day in Greenville as his Alabama guest, and uh, I'll be up this Friday. Uh, that being said, our next guest is already ready to go. And, Drew, would you do the honors of introducing him, please, sir? Absolutely. You know, he he, he breaks down film better than anybody we have on this show. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Bird's going to enjoy hearing him, and I'm sure he has before. But uh, we're going to welcome Saturday down south, Murph Baldwin, to the show. Oh, yeah. Just break down this Iron Bowl matchup. Murph, welcome back to Bams, man. What's up, Drew? What's up, Bama, Bird, Carrie, and Thomas, yeah. everybody? What you, up? You sound fired up, man. What's, what, what's in the crystal ball, Murph? Yeah, drop, drop some knowledge, Murph. <laughs> you guys always bring me on, and I always feel like you're bringing me on to pump up the other team. But guess what? I don't need any any. I don't need you guys to help me pump this team up because I actually think this team is is legit and is the real deal. And I hate to say that on the Alabama radio station, but it is what it is, man. If you know me, 
I always first and foremost break it down, and I'm and I, and I go by personnel. So I'm like, this might be the first team to where if someone were to blind gave me a blindfold test and be like, hey man, which offense of which offensive personnel would you choose? And this may be the only team in the SEC that I would go probably over Bama that I like their offensive personnel at least as presently constructed, and as far as it meets with their particular scheme, that Gus Malzahn hurry up no huddle scheme. I mean, this this scheme is complete beauty to break down, man. It's a lot of moving parts. I mean, it's fast. You, it's physical. You know, a lot of these spread teams or whatever like that are can be considered finesse. But if you will go and take it in totality about what you see in this particular year, I would say Auburn's probably a little bit more physical on offense than Alabama is. And um, you wonder where um, sometimes where Alabama's power is going to come from, but that's besides the point. But, but yeah, man, I mean – I think Nick Marshall is a is a is a heck of a quarterback, especially for that particular offense. And um, I think his ability to see his sightline and um, and his his mastering of that particular offense is uncanny. I think he mastered the offense even better than Cam Newton. He may not have the physical skills of a Cam Newton, but uh, I see they they're opening it up a lot for him. And um, they have a a, a side adjust package, um, a straight drop back package for him. Um, they like to get him out on the edges, of course. Um, he can run a little bit of the inside zone, the inside power himself, but um, I think he's got a live arm. He's um, he's he's not as accurate as I would like him to be or whatever like that, but he doesn't have to be because he has some complete horses on the outside. And, um, of course, Amari Cooper is the best receiver in the world, you know, and he's going to prove that at the next level too. I like what I'm seeing from guy Odell Beckham at LSU that went to the New York Giants. And I think Amari Cooper's got that same t- particular skill set, so at that size. But if I was going to go, maybe the next two best receivers in the SEC are probably on Auburn, <laughs> two and three, with Sammy Coates and Duke Williams. And I saw um, mm. Drew was a little defiant earlier, was saying um, bring <laughs> bring Duke Williams on. I'm not sure if that is that what you really want there, Drew, but uh, you might get it. But um, yeah, man, they have they have a, a really crisp offense, man, and they're able. It's the receivers run the ball. Um, running backs receive the ball. They hit the edges really well. They work the inside zone. Um, their pull game is some of the best you'll ever see, the, the pulling guards. Um, yeah, man, I, it's just a lot to break down, and it, it's definitely fun. It's going to be a great a great matchup for sure. I've, I've got a question for not just Murph but the, but the entire panel. Is, is it just me or over the past three games, guys, has it looked like Nick Marshall is a step slow? Or uh, it's like his head is not in the game. There's there's some sort of magic from the past three games that has left that Auburn team. There there is a a, intangible that I can't put my finger on. And I've talked to Auburn people, and they're in the same same mindset that I am. They're trying to figure it out too. They they see the same thing I'm seeing. Anybody? Well, um. I'll, I'll go. Um, I think that Duke Williams' injury was, was huge. I think it was a lot better, a lot worse than people think it is because he's the he's the um, he's the outlet. He's the he's the mid, the short to intermediate guy. He's going to run your digs and slants, and he's going to he's going to move those chains. And that offense works for moving the chains. Once they move the chains, that's when they get in their hurry up attack mode. So without him there, you have a lot of the speed guys. So you have your reverse guy with Ricardo Lewis and Quan Bray, your deep, and then you have Sammy Coates, who. I would like to say he's a really good short to intermediate player, but he's probably the best um, deep receiver there is in the SEC outside of Amari Cooper. 
So I, I just think that particular element is missing in the offense, and it was huge. To me, that's what made that offense um, even better than it was last year, you know. But I do see what you're saying about him maybe being a little step slow or like that, but there's, I think that – um, there's a chemistry missing, and I, and I and I haven't been able to put my thumb on it. I don't know whether it's so much uh, there's I've got they've got players playing hurt, or they've got uh, uh, you know the the to a degree. And I and I, this may have happened too, guys. And I think we all can admit it. This is the third year of the SEC seeing the uh, the magic from high school on the Gus bus, and I think I think the the defensive coaches have figured it out. It's, it's, I think some of them have, and um, Pruitt, yeah, Pruitt, Pruitt did a great job of that, which is a lot of the, um, yeah. a lot of the elements I think we're going to see from Bama. I think they they provided the blueprint about how to get their horses and um how to scrape an exchange and how to um and how to put those guys on the edges and, and keep them and keep them two gapping on the edges to where they're not necessarily rushing upfield to give him a clear lane for that read option. So, I mean that 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 can make him a step slower there because it used to people rushing up the field on that fake. So. They did a good job of staying home, and they were, and they did a great job of filling their gaps, and they had great gap integrity. I think Georgia played it, played it perfectly, and they got the blueprint from Kansas State because Kansas State had a lot of that too. See, those guys are yep. um, kind of defensive back-centric, and they're able to have a lot of um, speed on the field, but they have a lot of power guys up front too. So that's definitely something Bama could replicate. What do you think, Drew? Well, I, 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 go ahead. I'm glad you covered the uh, the Georgia game because that was actually what I was going to ask you about, Murph. But we do have a question for you, Murph, from the Bams Radio chat room. Uh, Alabama's defense is holding opponents to 142 yards a game this year. Do they keep that trend going against Auburn? No, they don't. Get, they don't get that trend going against Auburn. Um, Auburn's going to definitely uh, 142 yards rushing is what is that is that the stat or 100 not 142 no, yard total is it? No, it's, no, Marv, it's 142 yards below their average output. Oh, below their average output. Hmm. Well, Auburn's got that high output usually, so maybe they could do that. I guess I could possibly see that. The thing about it is, I'm not, I want to see Bama stop Cameron Artis' pain in that inside because that's where I, I, that's where I wonder um, it's going to be the matchup if those guys can establish that because um, I think that's where Bama excels, and I think that their defense – that speed defense that they had on the field and, and lining up in the even front technique and having a lot of the guys flow to the ball and stuff like that is is is, is built for this particular offense. You know, before with the 3-4 and all that and having to have heavy substitution packages and, and different things like that. I don't I don't think that um that that it was tech, you know what I'm saying built for the Auburn offense, but this particular speed package I think they can slow it down and Georgia put that speed package on the field as well. So I can kind of see that if they can stop that inside power because I feel like they're going to do a great job on the edges stopping Nick Marshall. But then a lot of the, the to me, a lot of the yards are going to come through the air. I think they're going to surprise with some air attacks. I think they're going to really test Bama secondary. Cause of course, you're going to be thinking about that run. But to me, they're, they're balanced. They're equally as good in the air. I think that they don't. they may not think it or people may not think it, but I think they can win a game through the air. And they have the horses to do it with, at the quarterback, and they got a, a plethora of receivers that can go get the ball. Well, Murph, my my thing is this: I think one key difference in this team, this Alabama defense, and the one they played last year, I think this defensive line this in 2014 is a lot better. I think Jaron Reed can help stop the inside, you know, with uh, and slow down Artis Payne because that's what really hurt Alabama last year when it was 21 to seven. Mm-hmm. They basically ran four or five dives straight and went down there and Trey Mason scored. 
Uh, I do think this – I don't think without Greg Robinson, all their offensive line is still good. But without Greg Robinson, I don't see it being as effective. But, again, they're going to have to take away Payne and slow him down. And Karen Reed mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Deshaun Robinson are going to play a big part in that. If they can slow him down and put Auburn in some behind-the-chain situations, I still don't think – you know, I, I do think Duke Williams is talented. There's no doubt about Sammy Coates has made big plays. But if they put – Nick Marshall went some, you know, third down and long, second and long. I still think he's inaccurate, and I still think Alabama can force some turnovers, much like they did with Dak Prescott. Yeah, this I can definitely see where going I with think that. they're lying about his injury status. I think they're flat out lying. He's, if he plays, he's going to be hobbling. So, hey, whatever. Also, you don't another, think he'll another play. Another question from hmm. – what's that? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely could throw a monkey wrench. They're Without Duke Williams, I, I think we might as well just fold up his phone call. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they lied about Carl Lawson all year. Let's see how healthy Duke really yeah, is. Yeah, true. Saturday. I saw the injury. Hey, Drew, 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 right quick, Drew. You said that with Jaron Reed and um and those guys in the heavy package, Brandon Ivory and those guys. Tell me this. I mean, even if they slowed around, run on first down or whatever like that, if they are able to get a first down and they start really getting it rolling, do you really want those guys out there? Do you really want that to be your your inside presence, or would you want that to be, you know, Aeson Robinson? I, I, I consider him a big guy, but he's a big <laughs> Auburn big would love to see guy. Brandon Ivory out there because Auburn wants to see Brandon Ivory because Disney's made him his bitch last year. I don't think Brandon will play hardly at all this week. Well, I, I think they, I think Jaren, I think Jaron is an every down lineman, uh, Murph. I think he he's proven. I mean, he had a, a big game. He had about eight tackles against Mississippi State. He had 15 against LSU. I know Auburn is a little bit different offensively with the way they do tempo, but I still mm-hmm. think Jaron is an every down guy. I don't think Ivory is. Ivory is a plugger. He's played better lately. Uh, Ashawn is somebody that I think can also rush the passer a little bit and is an every down lineman. Uh, but I best, do think guys like Don Allen are going to be huge in the game. And I think Xavier Dixon will be walked up some. He's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to set the edge. He, Ryan Anderson, and I guess Denzel Duvall, because he's going to be coming out of an injury. Not a big fan of 30s right now. Hadn't made a lot of plays. I think a seven's a lot better football player. But uh, I think those two guys are going to have to set the edge. But I think the inside guys are going to have to try to take away Artis Payne but I think, you know, I, I do think at times, I think Jaron Reed and Ashawn can play against these guys. I think they're both guys that have gotten progressively better as the season's gone on. Ashawn got a little nicked up last week, but he looks like he's moving pretty well in practice. But, again, I think the D-line as a whole, it's just they're going to have to set the edge and they're going to have to take, you know, make Artis Payne earn every yard he's going to get because the guy's a good running back. Obviously, Auburn's got a, still got a good scheme. But the key is going to be – it's not kind of like the, the wishbone. If you can't take away the fullback and the dive, you're in trouble. And Alabama's mm-hmm. going to have to do that, and then they're going to have to have some of their quicker guys, as you said, the John Allens and the Xavier Dixons to set the edge. But I think uh, the key is – and you're right, Murph, you don't want them to let them go fast. You need to try to get off the field on third down, and third down is going to be huge in the game. Murph, we got another chat question uh, for you. Uh, with Brian Vogler probably out, Brandon Green maybe playing some more at tight end, how does that affect the Alabama running game? Um, I think it may be affected in a positive way if they're looking to do some power. But <laughs> I don't know, man. You got tiptoe Derrick Henry back there. I'm not sure he, he he's ready for that. So if you want to go to your stretch zone game, then you may you you may be out of luck there. So um, I don't know, man. I'm looking for a lot more power from Bama. I noticed, like Georgia, Georgia took it to those guys um, in Auburn. They can't stop power. Their four-two-five defense is not for power; it's for speed. 
So I do think they may have, even though their secondary is suspect, they may have some success with um, the modernized West Coast offense that uh, Lane Kiffin is, is giving out there. So with the short routes and stuff like that, they're going to be able to flow to the ball. But they don't stand a chance if they if Bama really gets it cooking and really gets that power going. So hopefully I see a lot of T.J. Yeldon. Hopefully he's not banged up too much, and I want to see him just running down the pipe. Georgia killed him with that. They couldn't stop Chubb or Gurley until Gurley stopped himself. And so they're going to st- struggle with that. So maybe Green can help there. And, Murph, I'm going to tell you what. I asked Ryan Kelly about this after the Western Carolina game, and I hope we see some of this. But I'm hoping that they play Dominic Jackson as a, in an unbalanced line slash tight yes. end spot because he's got a lot of power, and I think he could give us he could deal some misery to that Auburn front seven. That would be awesome, man. I would love to see something like that, man, an unbalanced line set, bringing in big boy like that, man. I mean, that's Bama football. I mean, it's, I love the stretch yeah. plays. I love the zone plays. But you got to run it down the pike, especially against this team. They're just too small, well, at least on the edges and, and then the linebackers and stuff like that. They actually have two studs that I really do like, and Adams and Wright. Those are some boys. Those are some horses right there, those NFL-caliber players. They are, but, uh, you know, they lost their top sack man to injury. Uh, they're going to have to move mm-hmm. right out to end now. Uh, they're susceptible, in my opinion, to the power game this week. And I and I know that like yes, Kiffin runs the past West Coast, Bruce, uh, Murph, I know he does. But he also has enough sense to, to uh, you know, as Coach Brian used to say, dance with the one that brung you. And if Yeldon, uh, Tyron Jones, Henry, whoever, starts ripping off big games, they'll stay with it, trust me. Man, I hopefully so, man. I'd love to see a game where they, um, yeah, I mean, Blake Sims is the man. Like, he, he proved himself. Like, you got to say, he's having one of the better, the better seasons in, in Bama's history. But I would love to see a game where he only had to pass the ball 12 to 15 times because they just started eating these boys up in the middle, you know? Like I said before, I've been in games like that. It's demoralizing. When you can't stop the run, it feels like it's the longest day of your life. And then the game gets all short, and it's like, man, where did the game go? We were trying to stop these boys, and they keep blooding our mouths and breaking our chin straps. So, Bama should just take it to them boys that way. Well, as you as you aptly pointed out, it, it worked great for for Georgia. And I'd like to think the personnel. I know the play call may be different, but I'd like to think the, the, the you know the personnel at Georgia is not night and day different than what Alabama has. So, I mean, to me, there's no excuse. Oh man, Georgia's Bama Bama East. That, that's it right there, man. They recruit on the same level as Bama. Is sometimes I can say they maybe recruit even a little better. Like Georgia has it going, and they have that exact style of offense, and they want it to be Bama anyway. So their whole brand of football on the low key is they want to be like Alabama. So that's why you go get a Jeremy Pruitt and, and you, you switch to a three-four defense and do all that stuff like that. They saw Bama the way Bama does things, and and they set the blueprint. So that was that was good to see. And, I, and Mark, I got to tell you this: another weapon nobody has talked about uh, that will be huge in the game, and which huge he was MVP, you could argue, against Mississippi State. Is that Dan Mullen? But Alabama has a new weapon, Auburn, that they did not have last year. Even though Cody Mandel was a good football player, punter. but they've got J.K. Scott. Yeah, the punter. And, uh, <laughs> to, to drop some missiles, and uh, Auburn yeah, had a little, little bit of trouble uh, in their in their special teams, just like Alabama. And I think as far as field position goes, J.K. could play a big role Saturday. Yeah, man, not just J.K. I think the special teams in general, it might come back to bite them in the butt. I mean, that, I mean, it did Batman last year. It might do them in this year. Cause they, they, they struggle, they struggle um, covering, covering kicks, like struggle kicking the ball every 
every which way you can imagine. So, yeah, J.K. Scott, man, that's an NFL dude right there, man. I heard um, Kerry say he'll be a three-and-out guy last show, and um, that would be awesome to see. But he does have the talent to do that, and that is definitely a weapon. Hey, Kerry gets one rod every now and then. Uh, one hey, thing I wanted to man. ask you before, before <laughs> that's, nah. there's a lot of men out there, and I'm one of them. Uh, the reason that I was, uh, where I'm going with this is, uh, we, you know, when we have a guest like you uh, in, in a big game like this, and, and you've made some great points, Murph. Auburn's certainly somebody you've got to take into account. As long as Nick Marshall's healthy, they're going to be hard to stop. We admit that. Drew doesn't think so. But, but we've, had, we've had 9 of 11 opponents this year that ran similar offenses to Auburn, so that has to make a difference. No, and no, Alabama, no, don't say that. Don't say that. There's nobody running what Auburn is doing. Maybe Oregon. It's just different, I'm telling you. I mean, you can – it may have some people running a hurry up, no huddle and stuff like that, but they're different I mean. run concepts and stuff like that. It's just different. I'm telling you, they're a whole different animal. I mean, as far as a hurry up, no huddle, and, and the fact that Alabama has more depth on the D-line this year than they had in last year's line bowl. Yeah, they do. <laughs> You're not lying about that. And I can say this, man, I – I mean, even though we lost C.J. Mosley and all those guys and stuff like that, man, I actually think this may be a better team. Like, it was young and it's seasoned. Yeah, yeah, I think this may be a better team. And that's scary to say. This is this team, you know yeah, Murph, this defensive line depth is ridiculous. It is. The depth is there. And, and you know, Mark, as a former defensive back, uh, you and, and you played the game and you love to hit and all that, have you ever seen a guy come as far improvement-wise as Nick Perry? Man, Nick Perry's doing his thing, like, I mean, I used to be kind of kind of down on Nick Perry. I was I was I was actually wanting Geno Smith to start, you know, but um, I think his instincts got a lot better, and um, he's got good hands. He's um he's he's willing, ready, willing, and able to hit. I mean, I think it's just about being by a guy like Landon Collins. You can't be by a stud like that and then not rub off on you because you see that guy's willing to put his nose in in the grindstone, and he's ready to stay by the line, and he can play out in space. He can play a cover one free safety. He can do all these things. You're going to want to do that too, you know. So I think that it's the Landon Collins effect. So we have to see Attitude who plays both those fashion. guys next year. Say well, and Murph, I think a big part of the success for Auburn last year too. And Again, I'm not saying Auburn's going to, they're Auburn's going to shut Auburn down, but I think they're going to slow them down. And I think the big thing is, you know, and this happened, and hopefully Alabama will have, you know, not have any injuries on, in tomorrow's practice. But last uh, year, Thursday, two days before the game, is when – and this is something nobody ever talks about. The ha-ha Clinton Dix tore cartilage in his knee and uh, couldn't move. Uh, and that was yeah. huge in the game. And then and Landon Collins played with a pulled hamstring. And so, you know, you, you can talk – That's your two dudes right there. But, but those two guys were huge. You know, if they had been 100% healthy – I think Auburn would have had more problems because Alabama actually, after the flurry of the, of the first drive of the second, of the end of the, or the excuse me, the end of the, the drive at the end of the half and the one in the beginning of the third quarter uh, to tie the game, they did a really good job after that uh, until the very end of the ball game when the referees decided to go to sleep and let everybody go downfield illegally and not call the penalty. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying that I think Alabama's got a chance to uh, stop Auburn uh, or at least slow them down. Now, you know, Nick Marshall's going to make some plays. He's a very talented athlete. But the, the key is going to be, as I said against Mississippi State, they can't give up the chunk plays. You know, they had a missed assignment in the middle air that led to a 45-yard Nick Marshall touchdown last year, Auburn's first score. And then they gave up chunk plays on third and long. 
You cannot to, to sustain drives. You cannot let Auburn do that. Alabama's got to get off the field. There was a stat uh, Nick Saban released tonight on his radio show. You know, and this is amazing. It shows how good an athlete Landon Collins is. Landon Collins played 108 snaps against Mississippi State. 88 on defense and 20 on special Hey, man, you should should let him sleep all week after that. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Exactly. They need to get off the field on third down. It's going to be a huge factor in the game. Murph, do you have a gut feeling uh, yet on a score prediction for this week? Oh, man, I'm really still – I'm still really breaking it down there. Um, Uh. I don't know. I, th- I don't know. You know what I mean, man. I think it's going. I think it's going to be close. It's rivalry games, man. I know Auburn's looking a little down right now, and um, everybody's counting them out and stuff like that. But I mean, they're still a talented team, man. They beat Ole Miss <laughs> on fluke play, but they beat Ole Miss, and and they got some 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 good wins under their belt. Um, uh, maybe something like a twenty-eight, twenty-four, something like that. Twenty-one, Ooh. seventeen, or something Ooh. like that. Close. Something okay. like that. Something like that. Hey, man, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe the Bama comes and just blows them out or whatever like that. But I'm definitely hoping for a good game, and I'm hoping to be entertained. And I think these are two of the more entertaining teams, if not the two most entertaining teams. And, um, yeah, I'm ready to see it, man. I wish it was here right now. Yeah, it's going to be a four-quarter fight. Could be better than a rivalry game. Sometimes think, you never uh, know. Sometimes just get out of hand. I hate to sound so optimism, but I think by the middle of the fourth quarter we'll see Jake Coker. Oh dang! Yes, yep. I feel that. I feel wow. that good about it. But that's just but the home court, the home field advantage. Murph, Alabama is a different team in Bryant Dean Stadium. Yeah, that's that's. As soon as you said that, I almost forgot about that. Now that I'm thinking about that, it's going to be like fifty-eight you know this to is six. A home game for Alabama, right? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I Alabama, forgot about Alabama that. is pretty formidable. Regardless of opponent, yeah, definitely. But anyhow, listen, uh, <laughs> it, it's always great to hear from you, and uh, certainly we'll have you on again sometime in the uh, month of December to, to break down the playoff opponents. Always great to hear from you, Murph. Uh, but before that, you go. Would you do the kindness of telling our listeners how they can read your stuff? All right, guys. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me, man. It's been a good look having me on um, the shows. People contact me and say they heard me on BAM's radio and they like what I was bringing in and different things like that. So I appreciate that, Carrie and Drew and Thomas and Bama Burt. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Murph Baldwin, M-U-R-F Baldwin, and you can check me out on Saturday Down South um, covering the entire SEC on Mondays and Fridays. I do some film breakdown, but a little different. It's got a definitely got a journalistic appeal to it as well. So yeah, Murph Baldwin and Saturday Down South. Thank you so much, Murph. Appreciate you coming on. Always good to have you on Bam's Radio. That's uh, Murph Baldwin, everybody from Saturday Thank Down you, Murph. South. Always great stuff, brother. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Yes, yeah, so happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, my man. Word. Now, uh, last year, uh, Bird uh, procured an interesting guest, uh, one of the original sweater vesters in the state of Alabama, and the city of Birmingham, long-time radio man, good guy, known to crash a TI event every now and then, but that's all in good fun. And uh, why don't you introduce our next guest, Bird? Oh, my goodness. What we've got is uh, the king of the sweater vest, 
you know, well-known in the sports community, uh, one-time uh, cohort of Paul Feinbaum, a legend in his own time as, as he is now with the radio community, currently has uh, a fine show with 97.7 The Peach. Uh, we would welcome Mr. Bob Lockamy, who is an unabashed. He is as unabashed an Auburn fan as I am an Alabama fan, and I just thought to get a, a bit of a uh, uh, secondary opinion on the game, it'd be nice to have Bob on. And, Bob, welcome to BAMS, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys, too. And it's uh, it's good to be with you. It's a little late for an Auburn man. It's uh, us country boys. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we, well, we get up early. Yeah, well, that's true. The Cal College. You know, representing the Cal College as we do. It's, uh, but you know, I appreciate too the alert and the uh, wake up call I got a few minutes ago. That, uh, but that's part of it. And we're excited about being with y'all and tonight for a few minutes. And, uh, but, but I want to, I want to say this too, and, I, and and I really do appreciate you guys do a great job, and and it's all part of uh, keeping the fans informed and sharing, just like your your uh, most recent guest there. I mean, sharing different breakdowns and and uh, different aspects of the game. But I tell you guys, it's uh, I, I was a little bit stunned listening a few minutes ago about uh, everything seemed to be going fairly well as far as, a, I thought, a, a realistic approach or, or thought about the game. And then all of a sudden I hear you guys talking about Jacob Coker coming in in the middle of the fourth quarter. And, and, and or or, or maybe even at the end of the third quarter. Well, <clears throat> see, see, this is this is the kind of thing, though, this is the kind of this this is the kind of thing. Now, this is what let me let me say this. Uh, since and that's the other thing too. I heard something about a freak play in the Ole Miss game. I mean, that was an incredibly executed, well executed defensive play that knocked the ball loose uh, from Treadwell there on the on the goal line, and uh, you know, and, and your guy took a shot at us. He said a freak play, uh, but but you know, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, Arrogance like that will get you, and 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 it seemed to me like that uh, that that you guys ought to be concerned about two things: arrogance uh, going into this ball game, and then the other thing is being too tight uh, with what's at stake. Uh, and and Alabama has played an exceptionally uh, strong season at home up to this point. Wait a minute, let me let me let me make sure this is not the Mississippi State Bulldog Network. No, this is Bams. Uh, yeah, if we were talking Mississippi State, I, I think I could agree with you, Bob. But I think we've been there, done that, and have worn the uh, the vaunted shield of the number one on our back for long enough that it's it's just another game. It really is just another game to our kids. Well, it, and, and, hey, and really, I don't even know. I don't even have uh, Big Al up in front of my house yet. Well, I noticed that earlier tonight. We were we were coming back into town this afternoon, this evening, actually, and. And uh, my understanding was uh, dark. Big Al was coming up, so uh, I don't know if that's an omen. But but back to let me go back to something else too. Uh, I'm proud of Coach Malzahn and, uh, and and his donning of the sweater vest, and 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 that has that has bonded the two of us much closer. And uh, but but let's get back to football. Uh, we go we win that Ole Miss game. We go down to Texas A&M. Uh, and unfortunately lose that football game, and then get blown out by Georgia, and and then and then, Coach Pat Sullivan, Sanford Bulldogs score first on us, and and I got to tell you though, guys, 
from that moment on, I think the Auburn Tigers have come back. And and you know what? Uh, I'm gonna have to, I, I'm gonna have to disagree. I'm, Bob, I'm gonna have to jump in and disagree with you. The the, the same axiom uh, as far as one of the earlier guests saying Jacob Coker coming into our game against Auburn uh, in mop-up relief. Did you ever pull off your A team against Samford? You never did. You played that team the entire game, didn't you? Uh, I didn't stay the whole game, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I did. Was, I watched was, the whole was, game. Yeah. And you know what? Well, they, now, to be fair, they did put in Jeremy for about four pass attempts. Uh, it was uh, it was it was at the very 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 last minute and a half of the game that the Auburn team switched out to their reserves, and I got to tell you, and I sat there and scratch again. It's one of those little head scratching things. I thought, what's wrong with these guys? You, you I just have, told you, you what have, was wrong. I, you weren't listening. I just told you what was wrong. We we won uh, an ex- an incredibly exciting game at Ole Miss. We we came back and unfortunately had a couple of calls go against us, and we lost the Texas A&M game and then got blown out by Georgia, getting back on the field against Sanford. And for, for almost the first half, our football team was, was just going through the motions at best. So I'm not the least bit surprised that Coach Malzahn played everybody almost to the bitter end to get everybody back in gear and get ready for this incredible football game that's coming up this weekend. So uh, let me say this about, let me say this about Blake Sims. And, and, and I, I think one thing's going to, one of two things are going to happen after this ball game Saturday night, Blake Sims is going to be the goat of the game, or he is going to be a candidate for the sec player of the year. And he ought to deserve a, a ticket to New York. If, he has the game uh, that you guys expect he's going to have. Well, Hello? under Lane Kiffin, I was going to say, Bob, under Lane Kiffin, uh, you really don't know. I mean, because I, I think with, with it being in Bryant-Denny Stadium, um, it really helps Blake because of the communication is so much better between the field and the sideline. And you can see that uh, whenever they step out of BDS into uh, uh, an unfriendly confine, uh, it's and, and as it is for all SEC teams. I mean, it, let, let's face it, it's not a cakewalk when you're playing on the road. But with with Blake, when he's at home, he's just a lot more comfortable. Uh, I think that the play calling uh, is a little looser. Uh, you know, they they get they are giving him some green lights as far as okay, read your options, but if you don't have the options, tuck it down and run. And, and he's got the green light to it. Whereas quarterbacks in the past, A, didn't have the uh, physical talent to do what he can do, and B, I don't think we're giving the green light to do what he is doing now. So it's, you know, I, I think I think Blake understands that this is a, what, what the ramifications of the game is. Um, I really don't see him being the goat of the game unless he goes out and throws five interceptions uh, that are that are really really bad picks. Um, so you know, I, I really think that Blake will come out and do a more than credible job, and it's very possible that we could see Jacob Coker midway through third quarter. Okay, let me let me ask y'all: uh, as, as Alabama, uh, as part of the Alabama nation, are you still not stunned to a degree? The success that Blake Sims has had? No. Come on, now you, you you have Jacob Coker. Come on, guys. You have Jacob Coker come in 
you have Jimbo Fisher touting him as the greatest quarterback Alabama. He is quoted as saying that Jacob Coker could be the greatest quarterback Alabama has ever had. That's the first indication to any of us that Jimbo Fisher uh, has something wrong in his thinking. I mean, that, to make that kind of a statement was absurd. But but for for Jacob Coker to come in under the accolades he came, and and this to end up where we are that uh, uh, Blake Sims is on the on the doorstep of possibly being the SEC Player of the Year, which well, I think he, he could wear very well. I, let me let me make pop, this clear. Pop, pop. I think he could very, I think he yeah. could very well deserve that. Well, he's tied records, Bob, uh, down on the capstone. Um, he has got probably the highest quarterback, and, I, and help me with this, guys. Drew and Rock, uh, is it, where is his quarterback efficiency in regard to uh, other quarterbacks in the SEC? I think he's tops, but I may be he's wrong. Tops, he's tops easily. Top yeah. five in the country. Hey, I, hey, I don't. He's top five look, don't miss on, I, I want you guys to understand something. I am. I am probably as stunned as any of you are as how well he has done what I am saying. And here's a football team that you're facing Saturday night that lost Carl Lawson before the season started. He was our pass rush, okay? And and we have not touched the quarterback this year. We have not tackled anybody in the last four or five football games. And and so the the facts of the matter, the, the history of the last four or five football games, say that we shouldn't even be in this game. But but if we if we can get to Blake Sims, which nobody really has, uh, I'm saying. And, and again, I didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I mean he could be the goat of the game if the Blake Sims we expected from last spring game shows up Saturday night. I don't think he will. I think he will be. Uh, uh, I think it's going to come down to to maybe the last couple of minutes of this ball game. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know what? It'd be a typical Iron Bowl. I'd, I'd put it that way. If it, well, did, other it came down the years, last two minutes, other than other than other than two years ago and, and seven years ago. Well, I, I just my my point is, I just I, I wonder about this Auburn defense. I mean, they just they they seem to you know be playing their best football by the end of the last season. And they had a pass rusher in Ford. Uh, they don't really have a pass rush. They struggled against the running pass. If Alabama plays clean and doesn't turn the football over, I think they can win comfortably. And by comfortably, not a blowout. I mean two scores. That's not a blowout. But if they if they if well, that does, and that put, I think Auburn can stay in the game. Well, and that doesn't put Jacob Coker in the in the football game in the uh, late no, third quarter, the fourth quarter. I, I said I said mid fourth quarter. Birds are one saying third quarter. I'm saying seven call. minutes to go. Not going to see Blake Sims finish what he I don't started think, and be I'm going to tell you, Jeremy Johnson's got a better chance of getting in the football game than Jacob Coker does. And and, and it's a situation right now that, again, like we're talking about, Auburn hadn't tackled anybody. Auburn hadn't touched the quarterback in the last few few games. And uh, I, I really don't – I'm not sure we can get to Blake Sims. But now I will say this, and you have to give Coach Malzahn credit, and I think Coach Saban would have done the same thing. Coach Malzahn benched Jeremy Whitehead. When that hurt, that hurt big time. And uh, in the in the backfield, defensive backfield for Auburn, and uh, as Jeremy, you know, Whitehead got back into his flow, uh, not quite yet. Could he do it Saturday night? He could, but that can't make that can't be the the determining factor. Auburn's got to find a way to get 
we have got to get to to Black Sims and get in his head quick as well as as getting him physically. Well, that means that the student section will have to storm the field at Bryant Denny Stadium. Our student section. <laughs> The seats you guys put us in at Bryant Denny Stadium would take a day and a half to get down. Well, you, don't, you think that's not – you're sitting up there by me, brother. You, I'll be able to high-five right. you right next to you. <laughs> oh. That's okay. <laughs> uh, that, that's, part of, that's part of being on the road. And, uh, and of course, well, we know we sell, At least we sell tickets to OBS. I mean, you guys, hey, let's buy them all up so none of those, you know – Crimson wearing bastards can come down and get a seat here down at the, down at the now, college. Down now. I know it's getting now, late night. Said they, they've said that. I mean, that was in the newspaper two weeks ago. They, they, they. Somebody said that. They, but that, call, that don't, they, don't, call, paint a, don't be painting us with a broad crimson brush. Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, we've got a thousand tickets left, and uh, and we would like for you to buy those and give them out to some poor black children and some orphanages, and maybe oh my. you know oh, paper, no. paper your paper, paper your bathroom. But we don't want them on the hands of them bamps. We we had had you, a a rational conversation up to this point. And I know it's getting late, late <laughs> night radio, but. Uh, <clears throat> Hey, listen. All, all kidding aside, guys, I, I, I really do think this could be a ball game. And and uh, the Auburn team that that finished the season last year, the team that that got started this year, uh, from an Auburn family standpoint, we are hopeful that this team gels Saturday evening. And uh, and they may not. And 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 again. And, and let's say this, Auburn may gel, but Alabama may be the best football team in the conference. It may be the best football team in the nation. Obviously, the college football committee thinks so at this point. I've got a question along that line, Bob. If if, uh, if it turns into a slugfest and it ends up being a relatively close game, let's say let's seven to ten points, and I mean, and it's, it's not really uh, settled until the very end, does that help both Auburn and Alabama in the polls, or does that hurt? I, I can't see anything but helping Auburn, but uh, do people around the country respect the Auburn program enough, which I think they still do, that they would recognize it for what it is, and it's uh, it's not a hurt or a detriment to the Alabama uh, charge for the national championship? I think it's a great question. I don't, I don't think it hurts Alabama at all. I think if Alabama wins its football game, and to Auburn's credit, uh, the Auburn football team is a formidable uh, football team. This football team played in the BCS championship game last year. Uh, this right. football team won the national championship in 210 after being down 24 points on the road in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, right. Going in late into the second quarter, I, you know, I, I don't think it hurts Alabama. Alabama wins this football game. I cannot fathom the college football committee uh, moving Alabama out of the number one spot come next Tuesday night. Yeah, that's a good well, point. And, and then good I think point, Alabama. Bobby. Then I think Alabama. And I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. I think Alabama could be tight. Could be really tight. And that's the thing you have to be concerned about. I don't really, and all this malarkey talk about Alabama being arrogant and that kind of thing that I said earlier. Now, the the key, I think, is your concern would be if the team is too tight with what's at stake 
Okay, they know what happened with one second to go in the ball game last year. And if anybody again says that it hadn't been brought up uh, this week, that's ridiculous. Uh, of course, it's been brought up, and uh, uh, but it's a situation where the team knows what happened uh, back in two ten on the on this home turf. Uh, this football team in two eleven, your football team, the University of Alabama. Uh, was we had them on the ropes, couldn't get a first down in the fourth quarter at Auburn, right. and you go on to win the national championship. So I don't think Alabama's hurt at all. Uh, uh, Alabama wins this ball game. Alabama, I think if you get past Saturday night, you're going to win it all. You're going to win the the inaugural college football championship in Arlington on January 12th. Uh, you'll beat Missouri or Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I think he'll go in and, and beat Baylor or whoever uh, is ranked number four. Please, God, let it be Florida State. Hey, Florida Bob, State's we really out. appreciate your Florida, time. Florida tonight. State's uh, done. We got to really get. Okay. All right, let me just say this. Florida State, Florida State is gone. Florida will beat them. I think Georgia Tech will beat them. And Jameis Winston's bubble is bursting. And uh, that's history. Don't worry about Florida State. You better start thinking about somebody like Ohio State or Baylor. There you go. All right, Kerry. All right, guys. Bob, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, we got another call on hold, another guest, but it was great hearing from you, getting the Auburn perspective. Uh, that was Bob Lockamy from 977 The Peach right here in Shelby County. Good to hear from you again, get the Auburn uh, perspective. Now we're going to bring on our next guest, uh, the uh, – Editor of BamaMag.com and publisher of Bama Magazine, and a good longtime friend of mine, and uh, always great to have him because, by gosh, he knows some great Auburn stories. And he was at Nick Saban's press conference tonight. Welcome to Bama's Radio, Kurt McNair. How are you doing tonight, guys? Great, doing Kurt. well. Uh, after that, uh, Bob Lockamy spiel we just had to listen to. We're all going to have to have a shower after the show. But other than that, we're good. <laughs> yeah, I've known Bob a long time, Kurt. How you doing, Bob? <laughs> now we we got rid of Bob. Okay, uh, he, he was the prior guest. Uh, he went over about five minutes, but hey, you know, no problem. Uh, we no. gave him his, we gave him his time to talk, and we appreciate your your patience. All uh, let's start off, Kurt. Before we rehash the history, uh, you were uh, present tonight at Coach Saban's uh, final press conference before the Auburn game Saturday. Uh, what were your takeaways tonight? Well, I thought he's very relaxed. Uh, you know, he was a little surprised that that uh, we were there for him. We thought he thought we should have asked for the day off. <laughs> well, he didn't take the day off, and his players didn't take the day off, and uh, and the reporters didn't either. So, uh, but I thought he was very relaxed. He, uh, you know, he had points to make as he always does, and uh, good points uh, that uh, that he expects his team to have to his team to have to play disciplined football, play with emotion, but also with poise. And do it for 60 minutes, and that's what it's going to take against uh, an Auburn team that, uh, you know, probably has been a little disappointing to the Auburn people, but it's probably just as good a team as last year uh, that just hadn't, you know, some of the breaks didn't go the same way. And a lot of that was self-inflicted by Alabama. Uh, we learned in this week's Sports Illustrated that uh, that. Uh, Kate Foster had tendonitis and didn't bother to tell anybody going into the game, and that affected his performance. Uh, those kind of things that coaches need to know. But anyway, uh, we don't want to rehash too much about last year's ball game. Uh, this is a case where Alabama is playing at home, Kirk. Uh, you and I both have discussed this. Alabama's a completely different ball team at home. 
Uh, Auburn is kind of struggling a little bit. Yes, they are dangerous. Any team with a quarterback like Nick Marshall is dangerous. And a shrewd play caller like Gus Malzahn is dangerous. But as we discussed last hour uh, with our guest, Mark Baldwin of Saturday Down South, uh, I, I think that uh, Kansas State and Georgia both showed America, and, and Nick Saban being an American, how to beat Auburn. So that being said, how do you see this game Saturday shaping up, Kurt? Well, I, I almost hesitate to to get too deep into how I see it shaping up, although I, I do predict that if Alabama needs to uh, kick a field goal in the final second to avoid overtime, they'll pass on that. They'll uh, go ahead and go to overtime. But uh, I kind of don't think it'll be that way. I think that Auburn has great star power. They've got Marshall. They've got their tailbacks. They've got their wide receivers. And on defense, they've got uh, you know a couple of big, uh, big guys of good pass rushers. You know they've got some stars, but I think, insofar as a full team, I think Alabama comes much closer to being a full team, and uh, should be favored in this game. You know that's that's just the way it should be. Um, I think I'm not sure how the game will play out. I expect that Alabama, which sometimes comes out. And you feel like they're just sort of feeling their way a little bit. Auburn does not ever come out that way against Alabama. Auburn comes out uh, with a fierce attitude, an aggressive team uh, from the first snap, and I think that Alabama needs to be in that mode when the, when the game starts Saturday. Absolutely, uh, this is probably not the time to come out flat. And uh, you know, I just got the, the sense talking to the players after the game Saturday, uh, as you had me do, uh, I, I got the sense that they're a little more focused this year, uh, a little more together chemistry-wise this year. Uh, they're tired of watching that replay of the kick six on ESPN, and it just seemed to me like that they're they're not overly confident or arrogant or cocky, but they seemed, uh, they seemed to be kind of at peace and, and, and ready to play Auburn and looking forward to it, but still approaching it on an even keel. Was that kind of the, the tone you felt as the week progressed and y'all did more interviews? I, I felt that way with this team for, for quite a while. That this team, uh, first of all, I think they're getting great leadership from the same unexpected source that they're getting great play, and that's Blake Sims. I think he has really taken this team. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to say he's a better quarterback than A.J. McCarron, but I think that he may be fulfilling the leadership role better than A.J. did. I think that uh, he really, uh, the players want to win for him. Uh, they have a great feeling for that. And uh, I'm not so sure that uh, you get that with uh, with every team you have. Uh, I think that's a rare quality. And uh, so I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think that, uh, I think this team has that sort of relaxed confidence that so many great Alabama football teams have had. Uh, they're not all the same, but but that certainly has been a quality that a lot of them have had. I was yeah. telling guys earlier, Kirk, that uh, back in the late 60s and, and really most of the 70s, you played the role for Coach Bryant that Jeff Puritan plays for Coach Saban now. Uh, so with that being said, uh, from your time as a member of media relations prior to Bama Magazine being formed, uh, what are some of the uh, 
pleasant Auburn memories you have? Well, I think, uh, you know, the 1971 game, that, that goes back so far that everybody's saying, what, they played football back then? But that 1971 uh, season was pretty magical for Alabama. We'd been back-to-back 6-5 seasons and uh, switched to the wishbone at the start of that season. Auburn uh, had had Alabama's number for a couple of years. They had uh, 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 Pat Sullivan, the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, and uh, Terry Beasley, one of the best wide receivers that's ever played played the game, I guess, uh, among many, many others. And they were undefeated. Auburn was ten and uh, actually Auburn was nine and zero. Alabama was ten and zero because Alabama had elected to take advantage of the of the eleventh uh, game option that started that year, nineteen seventy. Actually, it started in nineteen seventy, and Alabama started out with a bang, back to back, home and home with Southern Cal, and Alabama had gone to Southern Cal to start that season and upset the Trojans. They got gone undefeated. So there were Alabama and Auburn meeting for the first time um, ever, or at least in the modern era, certainly, uh, undefeated. And uh, and uh, Johnny Musso was the Alabama star, and Alabama won 31 to seven, which I think was one of the uh, one of the great wins in Alabama history. Uh, just a fabulous win to, to to reestablish Alabama. Now Auburn would win the next year. But then Alabama would go on a long run of victories, and of course, any time you beat uh, you beat your cross-state rival, it's it's good. And any time you lose, it's never convenient. Kirk, uh, Drew's got a question for you in just a second, but just to follow up on what you said about the '71 game, talk about the situation with Johnny Musso's uh, injured foot and how then trainer Jim Goosetree combated that for that ball game. Yeah, you know, we weren't we weren't used to this turf toe business. We'd never had that before. And uh, and Johnny Musso was one of the first victims uh, that I was aware of, of of turf toe, which of course is a sprained big toe, and and uh, you don't ever think about it, and it may it may seem not important, but you just can't run and cut if you don't have uh, you know an operational big toe. Uh, it's critical for a for a football player who's got to run and make cuts, and so there was Johnny, uh, really. Uh, that back in those days we took a, a week off between uh, a game, we'd, then we'd have an open date, and then play Auburn. And uh, for two weeks, Jim Goosetree was nursing Johnny along, and and what he did was he took some tongue depressors and taped them together, and built an arch for that toe. Uh, so Johnny was wearing, I've forgotten the exact numbers, but I think he. On his uh, on his left foot, he wore his normal ten and a half foot shoe, and on his right foot, he was wearing an eleven and a half or a twelve to make room for this this brace that uh, Jim Goosetree built for him. And I remember on Thursday uh, before the game, I'd gone down to the training room, and there was Johnny in the in the hallway uh, with his new contraption on and uh, just a pair of shorts and. And he kind of jogged down the hall, and I thought, oh, there's not a chance in the world that Johnny Musso will be able to play in this game. But uh, he never underestimate Johnny Musso. He played and played great, as usual, and uh, it was uh, just another part of uh, great Alabama lore. Well, and Kirk, and speaking of running backs, obviously, you know, T.J. Heldon's health has been a big topic. Uh, it looks like 
in the media viewing period. He's moving pretty well now. I think the week off is probably going to really help him. Uh, and I think he's going to provide the balance against this Auburn team. I just like to get your thoughts because I just, you know, it is what it is, but I just don't see uh, Auburn's defense all of a sudden gelling and morphing into a great unit. And I think Alabama, with uh, with the uh, creativity of Lane Kiffin, they're talking about the genius of Gus Malzahn, but Alabama's averaging more points or just as many points and more yards per game as Auburn. Sometimes you fight fire with fire. If Alabama comes out with a fastball offense and gets off to a quick start, I think they can put Auburn in a hole they can't dig out of. Uh, you know, I think obviously balance is good. Uh, that's why, why when, when you switch it around, you want to you want to make the other team one dimensional. Obviously, you want to be able to do what you want to do, and uh, you know it's a not a it's almost a cliche because it's so overused, but it's still the truth. If you can run the ball, you can do whatever you want to do because uh, uh, the, the more resources the defense has to has to assign to stop your run, uh, they have to take those resources from pass defense. So uh, that's that's a critical thing in football. Obviously, having T.J. Yeldon is a big, big plus for Alabama. I'd be shocked if he's not ready to go. I think I think he probably could have played last week. I think that's what Nick Saban said. If he'd had to have played last week, he could have. So that extra week is, uh, has got to help him. Jump in there, Bert. Bert. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was going to ask you, if, if you see our guys getting into the uh, uh, middle secondary where the linebackers are with AU, um, I, I look at our guys, meaning the running backs, the TJs and the Derricks and, uh, and whoever else is carrying the rock, as having just a monster game because I'm I'm not real impressed with a the size the mobility or the tackling uh, uh, me- mechanism that the Auburn linebacking core has. I think mm. I think that I think that could be the game, and I think that you could see some forty, fifty, and sixty yard runs based on that. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I I thought that Auburn was one of the poorest tackling teams I'd ever seen last year. And they made it to the national championship game, and uh, they came back this year. And I, I, I was uh, able to watch. I was watching some of the Texas A&M Auburn game, and I thought, you know, first team to make a tackle wins. Uh, it was a. Uh, it's been an amazing thing that that Auburn has so many good athletes, uh, and yet they are not a very good defensive team. Uh, I don't want to say technically they just don't tackle well, and their uh, secondary. I think anybody just watching would say uh, they seem to have some communication problems back there. So I think you're exactly right. Break the line of scrimmage, and uh, and and there should be some high yardage uh, plays in there. And I don't think you have to do it on the edges. I don't think the corn. I think they can take it right up the middle and absolutely gut these guys. And and to me, it doesn't take many plays like that. Let's say you get two or three, and let's just let's say eight yard plays, running plays up the middle. That softens them up. But if you get that one play where all of a sudden they break it loose, and a couple of uh, you know a shock and a jive here, and next thing you know they've gone twenty four to. 35 yards, their whole defense has got to change. At that point, then it's a whole different ball game as far as the way Auburn, A, approaches mentally the run, and B, uh, it op- does it open up new avenues for us? Yeah. What's what we do with the ball if we have to throw it? I, it's, I, I, I see this as being 
you know, everybody so far tonight has given fairly close projections, and, and I know you're laughing at me about saying Coker potentially in the third quarter. Well, I'm, not, I'm really not kidding. I, I think that if Alabama gets revved up and it's 34-10 to 10 at half, uh, I don't see Saban letting the foot off of the uh, off of their neck and basically just crushing them in this game. Um, well, uh, you know this this is what uh, this is Wednesday. <laughs> it's kind of easy to think in those terms on Saturday. All of us will have our hearts in our throats worrying about things, but uh, I certainly see what you're saying, and and I, I would say it's not beyond the realm of possibility, but. Uh, uh, one of the amazing things to me about Auburn is how their defense gives up a lot of uh, yards, and yet uh, they seem to be pretty good in the red zone. So uh, I know the field shrinks down there, and it changes things. But Alabama will have to have a good game. There's no question about that. And I think, like in a lot of games, uh, hopefully Alabama can uh, run, do very well running. But I still think. Uh, in in a game like this, it's going to be on Blake Sims' shoulders. Yeah, I, I just I just have watched the with with a little bit of jaundiced interest the Auburn team and seen them play four games in the past four weeks or whatever the you know outside of the bye week. And to me, there is a chemistry that has gone wrong, or they they don't have. Um, and it's and it's gotten worse. And, and it's like I told our friend Bob Lockamy, you guys didn't pull your starting team until literally the very end of the game against Samford. And Samford is no, I mean it's and not to be derogatory, but let's face it, you've got a you've got one of the elite programs in the country that had to go toe to toe with an FCS team that is a mid pack FCS team and not very big at that. So I, I, I looked at that. I watched that game, and I thought, "You guys are going to get trucked next week, absolutely trucked by Alabama." <laughs> yeah, so, that's you know. It's, but it's funny how I those games go. I've, I've seen a lot of those games where where teams wear, wear place down. Yeah. Uh, well, I did, Bob did say one thing that I certainly disagreed with uh, about Alabama being tense because of playing Auburn and uh, worried about last year or in, or any other year. Uh, you know, that's just uh, Alabama's been in way too many big games to let that be a factor. I, I don't think that'll be a factor at all. Yeah, it's it's like Mississippi State wearing that number one. I told a friend of mine, I said, you can find out how heavy that thing is as the season goes on. And uh, they set up next to us at the game and uh, made the comment. He says, yeah, you're absolutely right, and we're kind of glad to get it off our back. I said, "Yeah, thanks." Now we got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> we're used to it. <laughs> I'll take it. We're used to it. I'll take it. Kirk, one of your all-time favorite quotes uh, about picking games is that uh, you always pick Alabama to win, and you're usually right. So, tell me uh, what what uh, what you're looking at score-wise for your picks this week. Well, I I got kind of a kind of got. Uh, Kind of got waylaid without having any time to think about it, really, by the Associated Press for their annual uh, poll of sports reporters, and uh, so I picked it 31-21. And uh, uh, but to be honest with you, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. But uh, but I think I'd stick with that. I, uh, I'm going to I'm going to make the almost perfect picks on uh, on uh, BamaMag.com uh, tomorrow morning, and 
I think that'll be my that'll be my pick. Alabama thirty one, Auburn twenty one. I would take it right now. Uh I feel a little more confident in that. I went thirty eight seventeen. But I mean those are all wins. You're not gonna complain about it. Uh and, and Bob thought I was a little arrogant for saying that Cook would be in mid fourth quarter and then Bird comes up and says, No, third quarter. So we got them all worked up with that. But I do think at some point Jacob Coker gets in this game. I think Alabama's going to establish the run. Yep. I think they'll use a similar game plan to what Georgia used because yep. that 34-7 to was a thing of beauty. Uh, Auburn scored on their first drive, and then Jeremy Pruitt's defense held them scorers for the next almost 56 clock minutes. So the blueprint's out there, Kurt. And uh, Jeremy Pruitt, let's be honest, he learned defense from Nick Saban. So, you know <laughs> – you got to think that with the depth on Alabama's defensive line and, and with a, a full year to prepare and stew about it and all that, I just uh, I understand the angst because of Nick Marshall and all that, but uh, I just take her. I, I you know I feel pretty confident about it. This is not the same Nick Marshall. I, I I'm telling you guys, there's been a change with that young man in the past four games. Well, I don't really get to watch him very much, so uh, I'll take your word for it. But I will say this: I thought last year he was one—he was one of the best football players I've seen in a while. He uh, agreed, and they said he could throw better this year. But you know, he didn't—he didn't have to—he doesn't have to make fabulous throws. What he—he he just throws it down the middle, and Coates and, and Williams go get it, and uh, and that's been those have been big plays for them, even though they're considered running teams. Uh, I mean, a running team with uh, both Marshall and the running backs, uh, they've made big plays with those with those fine receivers. They have, but I kind of get the feeling that we'll find out Saturday, of course. But you know, they they bull practice all here about call about Carl Lawson's health. I I just wonder if there's a little gamesmanship going on with Duke Williams. Let's let's see a if he plays and b how effective he is Saturday. Uh, if he plays and he's effective, yeah, your 31-21 sounds better than my 38-17. But I think Dee Williams is a great player, but I'm not sure how great he is on one day. Well, I guess we'll find out. It's all part of the gamesmanship, the chess game and all that. But uh, anyway, I, I, I'm with you on one thing, Kirk. I think Alabama wins the football game. And then we will find out actually Friday if Alabama does win. We'll find out with, with Friday afternoon's contest. I believe it's Friday. Uh, with uh, Missouri and Arkansas, who they'll play in the SEC championship game if they get there. And I hope we have to worry about that. But, Kirk, uh, I can't have you on after a streak snapping away from Coleman Coliseum basketball victory last night without at least asking you uh, what you thought about them finally snapping the 17-game away from home uh, losing streak with the win uh, last night uh, by Alabama's basketball team. Uh, you had to be pretty impressed with that. Well, I was impressed. I've been impressed with this team, and we've talked about this. Uh, this does just a very few changes. A uh, couple of guys growing up, I think, uh, and then uh, I think Levi Randolph taking over the leadership of this team and playing lights out, uh, 35 for 35 on free throws to date, I believe, among other many good things he's doing. And uh, that was a, you know, that wasn't a great team that Alabama beat, but it was a good team. And it was on the road, and it could have, uh, it's the kind of game that 
I think last year's team probably wouldn't have been able to do it. I don't think they would have been able to make those plays in the last two and a half minutes that Alabama made. I think that uh, Ricky Terrence added a lot. I think that uh, Justin Coleman's added a lot. I think we've got really two two really good point guards. Uh, and, you know, just to be honest, Trevor Relliford was not a point guard. Alabama's been playing without a point guard for a while. So uh, I think that's helped a lot. I think that uh, there's no question Jimmy Taylor's made – uh, big strides from uh, last year to this year on offense. And, uh, he's got to he's got to get a little bit tougher on defense in the middle there. He's and he's going to be up against some big guys. I know it's hard, but uh, he he just can't give give that middle away on defense like he he does at times. But uh, all in all, I, I'll be very disappointed if uh, if this team doesn't have a good December. And and that we don't see a different atmosphere in Coleman Coliseum uh, starting in January when when the students are back and and uh, and I'd hope Tuesday night this Tuesday night I hope we have a good crowd. Yep, and we're talking about the seventy six seventy one win over uh, Arizona State last night. And I tell you something that really impressed me, Kirk, and you mentioned Parent, but I, I, I've rarely seen an Alabama basketball player put a team on his back like Levi Randolph did last night. He showed the entire world why he's the captain of the team. No question. That's one of the great choices I've ever uh, known of, and I thought so at the time. I was surprised because uh, that just hadn't been the, been the way that Alabama did it or Anthony Grant did it. But I thought that was a great decision to, to go ahead at the start of the season and, uh, and, and get your captain. It's been a great week in sports overall. The uh, volleyball team won a five-set road match at Missouri tonight. The women's basketball team won their fourth in a row, defeating Alabama A&M at home. Uh, things, things are really rolling sports-wise at the Capstone, but the way to cap it off is to come out and have a have a decisive win in Bryant-Denny against your arch-rival Auburn Saturday. Uh, Kurt, just in, in your opinion, what's what, what are the keys to this game, and what does Alabama need to do to come out and get the victory? Well, I think I've mentioned to begin with, they need to come out and be playing absolute full speed, full bore from the first snap. I think that they need to have a, a um, an aggressive offense. I think they, I mean, a really attacking offense. Do not let Auburn get set. Put them on their heels and keep them on their heels. And then I think what you know what. Uh, People forget about it, don't not even talk about it very much, but a big part of football is the kicking game. And I think for the first time in many, many years, uh, maybe Alabama's got uh, got, a, got a good edge there in the kicking game. So, uh, And I'm not to say that Auburn doesn't have a good one, but I think Alabama's has been really, really good. So uh, uh, I hope it doesn't come down to a last-second kick but uh, uh, I think, and I don't think it will. I think Alabama will take charge of this game. I think the home field has been been a big advantage for this team, and and uh, I think it'll be, uh, I think it will be again Saturday night. I'm really glad you brought that up about the kicking game, Kirk, because it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes in Alabama history. This is from a fan, not from a player or a coach. Kirk, do you remember the late Bob Hanna? I'm sorry, what was that? 
Do you remember uh, a gentleman who passed away a while back that was a character actor named Bob Hanna? That was oh, yeah, Hanna yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Bob was on the TV show Heat of the Night a few times. He was in several movies. Well, they asked Bob one time about a rivalry game. This is particularly a Tennessee game. And, and uh, what he thought it'd come down to. And he said, well, uh, I thought it'd come down to the kicking game. And I was right. We kicked their ass. <laughs> yeah, so, that's great. That's where I like to see this Auburn game come out. And uh, we we always enjoy having you on. Uh, anybody else got any questions for Kirk? No, we just enjoy having him on. And the Johnny Musso story was gold, Kirk. Thank you, man. It was. I, I had to get you to tell the Musso story, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, um, and, Kirk, uh, it's always great to uh, to have you on the uh, show, and I will certainly see you Saturday. I always look forward to it. Uh I sit right by Kirk in the press box, and I, I kind of help him spot, and then I write uh, player reviews for him after the game. It's really one of the funnest things. There's no greater part-time job in the whole world than working for Kirk at Bama Magazine. And, Kirk, it's always great having you on Bama's Radio. We appreciate it, and roll tide. Roll My tide. pleasure. Thanks, guys. Roll tide. All right. Roll That's Kirk Minaire. That's a, uh, Kirk Minaire, my good friend, and he's the uh, editor and publisser of Bama Magazine and the website BamaMag.com. Always brings good insight. And, and guys, Bird, I think all of us enjoyed that Johnny Musso story. It was great. No, that's one I'd never heard, and uh, it was radio gold. I tell you what, when you have a two-hour show and you can have Kirk McNair and Big C both on to give their perspective on Iron Bowls of the past, and then have a guy like like Murph Baldwin come on and, and break down this year's Iron Bowl, uh, it, it's really been great. But you know, we've got 23 more minutes to where we can talk amongst ourselves and. That's always one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, so let's just let's stray away from football just for a second, because Bird, we get questions all the time uh, at the tailgate on the air and chat. Why don't you bring our listeners uh, up to speed about your current health situation? Sure. Um, first, thanks for asking, and I appreciate all the concern and the and the prayers. Um, basically what I, what, what's happened is, uh, chemo doesn't work anymore on the tumor. I've got pancreatic cancer and, uh, the, the cancer has decided that it enjoys feeding on the chemo. So it went from a, a three centimeter tumor to about a 4.3 centimeter tumor, uh, increased in size and over 25%. So, uh, we knew that, uh, the third round or regimen of chemo was just not getting it done. So what they've done is uh, they've got me on a palliative uh, radiation daily therapy uh, that basically I go in every day for uh, a radiation, uh, and, it's, and it's, there's nothing to it. I mean, it's not this, nothing to it, but basically they radiate my uh, the middle part of my body. They get my abdomen and stomach and pancreas and all those areas. And uh, so I do it every single day, and now I'm going to start next week a uh, uh, oral chemo, Zolota, that uh, works hand in hand with the uh, um, with the uh, radiation. The good news is, guys, you know what? It's uh, the radiation's working. The I, I had gone from a, which is one of the reasons it's hard to do a show when you're loopy on Percocet. Hell, I can't drive a car. But uh, um, in the past week and a half, I have not had to have a Percocet, which is a, a pretty pretty intense pain pill. And uh, so, you know, getting the Percocet out of my system and getting the pain out of my body, which is really, really good. That means that the radiation's working. 
and uh, I'm, I'm trying to make as many Alabama games as I can. I have uh, bought a super super uh, close parking spot, so I don't have to walk very far. In fact, this weekend I'll be down there for the game, but I'll probably not go in as the game starts, which kills me because I cry. And this is a this is a honest to gospel truth. I cry every time those kids come out of the stadium and run across the field st- or opening the game. So uh, I have to I have to give that up. And uh, but I'll be there probably midway through the first quarter after everybody's settled. And then uh, I may not stand up in the third quarter, but that means that you'll have my ass on top of the seat in the fourth quarter. But uh, you know there the the outtakes of this are uh nausea you don't ever want to eat you know so i've lost more weight uh you know it's uh creates bad farts which is probably the worst thing for my family um and just uh just a real 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 uh you're tired all the time i mean tired doesn't even put it i mean it's uh it just kicks your ass but you save your time. You save your spoons. You uh, you be intelligent about where you where you spend your time, and uh, and I choose to spend my time on Bams tonight and down at uh, watching Alabama kick the living shit out of Auburn this weekend. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I I know our our listeners have have been wanting to hear from you about that, and it, it means so much to us when you can come on here because, quite frankly, without you, we wouldn't be here. Well, and I've, I've got. I've got two or three degrees in radio, three if you count the U.S. military, and I wasn't even able to put them to much use other than 15, 20 minutes a week with Big C on an AM in Greenville uh, on Fridays. And you have afforded me this opportunity, Andrew and Thomas, and there's just no way that we can ever thank you enough, Bert. I'll tear up if I talk too much about it, but the fact (laughs) that you've allowed me to get back in radio, I, I, I cannot tell you, in words, how much this means to me. I cannot thank you enough for letting me be a part of the show. Well, Carrie, you're a quality man. Drew is a quality man. Thomas is a quality person. Everybody that we have on this show are just top-notch human beings, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, and and you know, we there's a there's a level of cockiness and arrogance that comes with the show, because and and I think everybody knows it, but I'm going to say it again. BAMS radio stands for B-A-M-S. It, it means suck my ass barn backwards. So bottom line is... is that, <laughs> All this time I thought it was the Charles and Tammy version of BAMA. Oh, okay. uh, oh, no, it's, 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 it's suck my ass barn backwards. So it's BAMS radio. And, uh, and, and there was a real reason that we put this on the air. I was just really tired of uh, coming from a broadcast background of uh, uh, what happened to Redfish uh, up in, uh, I guess, that were they out of Coleman? Was that where that show was out of? No, it was actually in Huntsville, Bird. Yeah, I knew it was up north, uh, Huntsville or Coleman. And then the the Never to Yield Foundation with Auburn coming in and uh, literally running those guys off the air. And, I, and it made me mad. It made me mad, number one, as an Alabama fan, it made me mad, number two, just as somebody that said, you know, I'm not getting it from Mike Rada. Uh I'm not getting it from Skarbinski. The guys that are doing the talking head stuff on the major networks, and I certainly wasn't getting it off jocks, uh, you know, because I felt like I felt like the news media went completely soft 
on Cam Newton and Mike Slive and that entire debacle of a situation that if I were an Auburn player, I would, or not player, but an Auburn fan member, I would hang my head over that because I think it was dirty. I think it was a mark of the devil, and I will go to my dying grave of saying, yeah, you guys cheated. You know you cheated. And uh, enjoy enjoy your uh, national championship. There was no two ways about it. Cam Newton was one of the finest football players I've ever seen. It's just the way that he got to where he was that uh, it really, really got under my skin. So you, I said, you know what? I'm going to create my own radio radio show. Uh, it's not owned by any big company. It's owned by me personally. And uh, we're going to say exactly what we want to say and try to do it in a, a humorous way but bring good information to Alabama fans. I don't give two, two shit and shinolas if any other school fan base listens to this program. This program is for people that bleed crimson. This this program, you know, I, I, they can't come up and say, well, we're going to cancel your advertisers if you don't be a little more fair toward Auburn. No. Cancel all you want. I ain't got none. So it's just a, it's the Scottish in me uh, coming out and me flipping my kilt at the guys across the way saying, you want a war? I'll give you a war. Let's go. Uh, and it's from the from the fan base all the way up. But uh, it's just my way of uh, showing my love for Alabama football and sharing uh, the details because this is a hungry, hungry, hungry uh, fan base that all of us, in a in a very existential sense, truly are bound as a family under the crimson tide. And 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 the thing that that brought that home, and I'm sorry if I'm usurping the time now but let me just give me a couple more minutes the the tragedy up in uh in missouri with the uh the looting and the rioting and the and the racial polarization and i call it a tragedy um you know what i i it's hard for me to imagine that happening here uh there are so many i, I belong on on facebook to a lot of fan boards I probably have got 10 different uh, Bama groups that I belong to. And you know what? If you're black, white, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bloody matter. It doesn't matter if you're uh, physically disabled. Um, You know, we've got our own little group of cancer patients that are, you know, we ought to have Bama fans for cancer, uh, something like that. But People are nice to each other because it's Alabama. It is a uh, not a polarizing force, but it's a force that I think gathers good and gathers uh, for a lot of two thumbs up reasons. It's a source of pride for all of us, black, white. I don't care what color you are. And to me, it's it's uh, it's a thing of pride to be able to say, you know what, we're a small part of that. Being able to put these put these people together, getting them information that they all want to hear, and then uh, and then getting to see them on the weekend. And again, I'll, I'll say, come by the Bams tailgate right there on University, hosted by Big Head Chuck's Barbecue. You will not, you will number one, not be a stranger. Just come up and say hi, and there will be somebody to shake your hand. And the next thing you know, you're family. So, bottom line is, guys, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the program. Uh, thank you for allowing me to come on tonight. Uh, and it's just uh, it's a labor of love, it's a labor of the heart, and it's a labor for something that uh, 
you know, every time every time you watch Alabama on TV, you'll see some of me down there because I told my son you're going to have to shake my ashes down there at Bryant-Denny Stadium down there in the bushes. <laughs> That's great stuff, Bert. Great stuff. I'm glad you brought up the tailgate because it will convene for the final time this football season. And our official uh, barbecue sponsor, uh, Chuck Peak of Big Heads Barbecue, will be on hand with his wares. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can get a hold of Chuck, whether you've got a church event, a sports event, uh, any kind of a family reunion, anything we need to feed people, you need to get a hold of Chuck Peak. You can uh, look at his menu at bigheadbbq.net. Uh, you can uh, call him at 251-379-0094. You can email him, uh, bighead at bigheadsbbq.net. Uh, you can check him out on Twitter, at Big Heads BBQ. But I'll tell you what, uh, every time I think about Big Heads Barbecue, I think about the triple threat, which is a piece of pork with a little bit of sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon and drizzled with Big Heads uh, homemade barbecue sauce. He does much more than the triple threat. It's just my favorite dish. He does chicken. He does ribs. He does beef. He does pork. He does briskets. If it's got barbecue on it, he does it. And plenty of good side items too. You and and, and not whole. just does it, Kerry. He, I mean, he knocks it out of the park. He really yeah. does. He does. And Brunswick Stew a couple weeks ago from Mississippi State was awesome. If awesome. you missed that Brunswick Stew, you missed out. But come on back this Saturday. We'll be there all day. Uh, the, the feeding usually starts around eleven. And uh, with it being a night game, and with me doing my due diligence and giving his promo, I promised him every week I will be there to chow down. So that'll be my lunch. And uh, so that's that's Big Heads Barbecue, y'all patronizing. And, Marty, if you're listening, you need to call the Big Heads Barbecue hotline because it's got a participation chart for you. Uh, that's 714-510-3707 or anybody else that wants to call. And I believe that we have got uh, uh, some interviews that Drew did for us recently after the uh, last home game against Western Carolina. Uh, Thomas, would you like to introduce those Bama players we'll be hearing from and play that for us? Well, I just have one interview, and it's only about a minute and a half, but uh, it's from Malik Miller. I have that name correct, Drew? Yeah, it's Malik Miller, and it's Iron Bowl-centric. He has just announced he will be attending the Iron Bowl. He told me he would in the interview, and it was just a saw him at a, at a basketball game recently. Got him wanted to catch up with him just really quick before he left. But he's a key target for Alabama uh, in the next in the 2016 recruiting class. And someone that I think Alabama, along with the Sherry's Flowers, is looking at to make to take the place of a Jowson Fowler. Yeah. Uh, kind of talk about y'all's season, man. I know y'all got a big one against Welburn Friday. How's it been going? Season's been going great. Um, as the season went on, we um, we got better and better. I think that leads was a, was a learning curve for all of us. And um, you know, it did exactly what it's supposed to do. You know, he threw us in the fire early for our young guys, and they. They really stepped it up this season. I hadn't seen y'all live since that point. Uh, obviously, I heard you got you played well against Piedmont, and you started to assert yourself. You carried the team on your back last year in the playoffs. How's it been going for you? It's been going great. You know, it's, it's definitely been nice to have carry on back. You know, you don't have to shoulder the load nothing like that. But uh, everybody's everybody, we're all clicking you know, offensively and defensively. I, I think our defense. I'm, I'm really proud of us because we really stepped up. Right, and so just update real quick your recruiting process. What what visits have you taken lately? Uh, this year, I've been to um, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I went to Alabama, and I've been to Auburn and um, Mississippi State. 
And so, uh, what did you? Uh, were you were you in Tuscaloosa last weekend? Or? No, I, was, I planned on going. Then I had family come through, and I couldn't. I couldn't go. So I would assume you're going to be there for the Iron Bowl. Of I know course. you never miss yeah, it. Yeah, never miss it. <laughs> and so, uh, I guess, kind of give your thoughts. So have you had? Uh, do you still? Is your top group still the same? I know when I talked to you in August, it was basically Vandy, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn. And, uh, it'd be Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. So Ole Miss is now involved. Okay. Yes, sir. And so, uh, are they all recruiting you as a running back, or is anybody looking at you on defense? Uh, I think Mississippi State is. Was more of a um, defensive, but I still think they're all running back. All right, well, so I think Mississippi State can go both ways. All right. Well, thank you for your time, man. You know, have you seen Coach Blackson? I have not. So, uh, yeah, we can cut that now, Tom. Uh, that was Malik Miller, uh, and uh, did not know that. But, hey, it was a great interview. Thank you for that, Drew. I got a chance to see Malik play a couple weeks ago in their uh, last regular season game at Briarwood Christian, not too far from where I live. He is an excellent running back. He's an excellent linebacker. He could play either side of the ball. Sounds to me like he wants to be a running back at the next level, and Drew is correct. He can be a Dolphin Fowler-type guy that can play a bunch of different positions if he wants to play offense. And I think he's about 5'11", so running back might be the way to go, but he's about 220 or so, and he's pretty quick. Uh, I did, Like I said, I got a chance to see him play. And, uh, Bird, I know you're somewhat of a, a Duck Dynasty fan. Uh, the interesting thing about Malik Miller is that his quarterback – uh, on his on his high school team, Madison Academy actually dates Sadie Robertson. No, a coward. It's, no way, Bird. He's been dating her for about a year, and they're both going to Harding University in Arkansas. No kidding. Well, Harding is a good school. It's good. It's a good uh, religious founded school. And uh, gosh, I wish they'd come to Alabama. <laughs> Well, well, of course, Alabama. I think I think Alabama's got a decent shot at, at Malik Miller, though. They do. His mother likes Alabama. I think you know he also likes Auburn. It's going to be interesting to see you know how the recruiting process you know comes to, comes to pass with him. Jeremy Pruitt's gotten involved with him now. Hugh Freeze, who by the way, guys, has been offered the Florida job tonight at five and a half million a year. Uh, Ole Miss is coming back with a four and a half million dollar offer. Who True. knows how that'll go? True. And three, and three tires for life. Right. Yeah. Sexton's going to you know going to make his clients some money no matter what. But we'll see what happens there. And heard last week from some people that spoke to a former Gator coach that he was their top guy. So it makes some sense. So we will see. We could even see some dominoes fall, guys, if that happens. You know, I was discussing this with Redfish last week. Uh, you know, actually, when Q Freeze was hired, the top choice was Kirby Smart. We could not come to, a, a, you know, a, an agreement because of a, the, the staff budget. Uh, this time, if they come after Kirby again, if Kirby goes, don't be surprised if uh, Will Muschamp ends up it's in Tuscaloosa. I've heard that they've already got an offer in front of Will, so not not that I know anything. But I've heard that there have been serious discussions with Muschamp. Whether or not Kirby leaves, they're talking about bringing Muschamp in as a adjunct to the defense. Hmm. Well, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm all for that. So you got guys, let that sink in. This is another Lane Kiffin saving type of move, and uh, and why not? I mean, uh, get get the wheels down. The carrier deck is open. Let's bring that boy on home. Well, I'll tell you this. If they were able to pull that off, Bird, I just want to see the look on the folks in Lee County's faces when that happens because I'm telling you, we will be seeing Dust Malzahn back at, uh, in, in, a, in a Mac school 
quick in, in the next five years if that happens. Yeah. Well, they, they should. You know what they, they guys they crapped all over uh, when under under uh, Chiswick. They so mishandled the uh, Will Muschamp situation that I don't think they could walk in with a blank checkbook from Bobby Louder. And anybody that thinks that Bobby Louder is still not part of that program is stupid. By the way, Bobby Louder is up to his elbows with Jay Jacobs and the whole cast of characters down there and, you know, whatever. The bottom line is, is they so mishandled um, that situation. That I don't see that happening. Will Muschamp well, likes Nick Saban. He worked from Nick Saban. It is a known entity, and it would be like, come on home, baby. But you know what, Bird? Will Muschamp also thinks Jay Jacobs is a tool. Yeah, he's a tool. Thing, Bird. He, he, when he when he was under Tuberville, he did not like Jay Jacobs, and he didn't. I, and I've even heard he did not like Pat Dye. He did not like the inner workings of that program. What's so the Auburn people that are pining for Will Muschamp to come back as defensive coordinator, in my opinion, need to move on because he'd much he'd much easier end up in Tuscaloosa College Station or Columbia, South Carolina, than uh, than Lee County. No, I think Lee County heads would explode everywhere, but it's but it, they brought it on themselves. And and I made a comment to the gentleman that I was speaking with earlier in the week about this situation, and I said your problem is, and you guys both hit the nail on the head. Jay Jacobs, two words. Oh, but Jay's a good man. I said, you know what? He's a complete boob. Just like I think Hugh Freeze is a boob. I, I think that it it is a huge mistake. For Florida to hire Hugh Freeze, there are better coaches out there. Hey, Barry, Ron yeah. You think so? Well, I don't think he'll do much better. Florida, what, yeah, I, Florida's a whole different animal than Ole Miss. The expectations are higher. The stadium seats more people. There's a lot more alumni with a lot of money. It, it's you don't always get into. Uh, but anyway, that's anyway. all. And you know, that's, that's, what, that's what makes BAMs great. It is. We like to break stories on BAM. And you, you, you heard it first here on BAMs about Jake Coker coming to Alabama. You heard it first from the kid's mouth that Davion Ingram from Mobile would sign early with Coach Grant. And now you've heard it tonight from Bama Bird. If Will Muschamp ends up on the Alabama staff in January, you heard it here first. Now, we have not heard yet from Marty, and I don't know if it's because he hadn't been able to call in or he hadn't been able to listen live. Maybe he'll hit the podcast. But I, I, I do want to get into participation chart this week because some guys got in the game that don't usually get to play, and this is the people that I'm going to make as quick as I can. We're going to go over this week, listeners, just, uh, you know, network stations down the line. We'll probably be on until about 10 after 10. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> time. So here's, here's the guys that started and played in the 48-14 win over Western Carolina. Offensively, Cam Robinson, Ari Quanjo, Ryan Kelly, Leon Brown, Austin Shepard were your line. Bogler at tight end, Christian Jones at the receiver, Blake Sims quarterback, Derek Henry at running back, the sat out PJ, Amari Cooper, and Darius Stewart, who probably won't play this week. Defensively, we started Jonathan Allen, Ashawn Robinson, Jaron Reed. Uh, then at the linebackers, Xavier Dixon, uh, Trey DePriest, Reggie Ragland. A lot of guys started in the secondary because of the opponent. Uh, Nick Perry, Len Collins, Cyrus Jones, Eddie Jackson, Derek Williams all got to start. Here's where it gets fun, because they were able to play 71 kids. That's 20 more than they played against State. Off the bench, we saw Alec Morris. We saw Jonathan Cook, Chris Black, Anthony Averett, Tyron Jones, DeAndrew White. Uh, Buddy Pell from Mountain Brook, uh, yep. channeling his inner Ben Howell there called into the game. Yep. Tony Brown, Bradley Sylvie, Josh Frazier got yep. a sack. 
Hootie Jones, Ryan Anderson, Cam Sims, first touchdown in his career. Yep. Robert yep. Foster played well. Uh, Gunnar Raywood sub did well for Adam Griffith. Deshaun Hand, Ruben Foster, Sean Hamilton, Jay Coker, who I still say we'll see mid-fourth quarter this week. J.K. Scott, Ray Guy candidate. Uh, Cooper Bateman, who portrayed uh, Nick Marshall on the scout team this week. Maurice Smith, uh, Jabril Washington, Geno Smith, Dylan Lee, Alti Tenpenny, Rashawn Evans, who's coming on, Walker Jones, Dalton Fowler, Michael Nicewander, first touchdown of the career for the fifth-year Hoover walk-on. Alphonse Big Shank Taylor, who uh, found his missing dog this past week. Chloe is back in his loving arms. D. Miner, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, Cole Mazza, Tim Williams got a sack. D.J. Petway, M.K. Taylor, a walk-on snapper from Oxford, got game action. Grant Hill played well again. Isaac Luatua, Bradley Bozeman, Dominic Jackson, who played on the unbalanced line, then played right tackle with the twos. Raheem Falcons dropped the touchdown. Awkward. Malcolm Fashion, Parker Barano, who also signals and plays when he's not on the field. A wide receiver, that's rare. O.J. Howard, Brandon Green, Dakota Ball, Darren Lake, and Brandon Ivory. 71 guys played. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go over a little bit this week because it's a big week and we've got a lot to talk about. So that was kind of just kind of cleaning out the notebook on Western Carolina. And uh, obviously a lot of guys got hurt, a lot of guys were held out. But it looks like, Drew, uh, for the most part, everybody is going to be healthy this week with the exception of Vogler and Ardarius Stewart. Well, I wanted to touch on something real quick um, from the Western Carolina game, just something uh, – I got to see the game live. Uh, it was part of, part of my birthday weekend. Um, Jacob Coker, as good as Blake Sims looked comparing – the spring to now, I'm not saying that Coker's on that level, but I am saying that Coker looked a hell of a lot better. And, yes, Western Carolina is not the the, the, the 85 Bears, but Coker seemed locked in. He was crisp. Yes, he had a couple of overthrows. That's kind of to be expected. I think that's what you'll see next year. But I was pretty impressed. He seemed a heck of a lot more comfortable in the offense. And – I realize it's next season's a year away, but I was kind of like, if 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 this trend continues, I, I'm okay with where Alabama will be at quarterback. What did you He's guys great. think? He's great. He played a he he came in and looked absolutely, and crisp is the best way. And and the gun of an arm that guy has, have mercy. The U.S. military needs to you know get that cannon and get it under uh, you know somehow or other into the military because he's got a cannon. It, it, and he makes it look effortless. And, and the difference between Coker's throws and Blake's is that Blake looks like he has to use his whole body to get any type of elevation and length on the ball. Coker, on the other hand, has got a John Elway-type release, and he can stand up and basically look down the field and not have to contortion his body. Watch, watch him next time he plays, guys. I mean, we, we may not get to see him again this year. But watch him, watch watch the fluidity with which he throws the ball and how easy he throws the ball and how far he throws the ball with that simplicity. Um, I am completely impressed. This kid is an NFL quarterback, if I've ever seen one, and uh, we have got a, a golden ring in our hand in Jacob Coker. Looking around the SEC, we're not sure yet who we're going to play in Atlanta next week if we beat Auburn, when we beat Auburn. I'll say when, when we beat Auburn. Because uh, if Missouri 
can win a home game against Arkansas Friday, it's mm. going to be them. But if Missouri stumbles, it's going to be Georgia. Uh, I mm. personally would rather play Missouri because I know we can hammer them. Georgia would be a lot mm. more tough of a game. Uh, Drew, if you're listening, uh, what do we know about the status of uh, Arkansas's quarterback for Friday's game? Take yourself off mute, Drew. Oh, his his volume is really low for some reason. He's in, the, he's in the bathroom. It happens to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Put the playboys down and come back to the radio, Drew. Ouch. You guys got me? Yeah, yeah. we got you. Okay. I mean, I, I, I didn't have it on mute. I didn't know my well. I haven't messed with the volume, but. Uh, like I say, I think he's going to be he's going to play. I mean, he's a little banged up. I mean, but uh, I think Arkansas is trying to finish strong. I mean, they can go to a pretty decent bowl game with the way they if they could finish. I mean, they destroyed Ole Miss. Obviously, they're playing really good football. Uh, and it's kind of funny. Missouri's both their losses have been at home. Uh, they've won you know ten straight on the road. Uh, and they were able to close out Ole Miss, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I th- I still think you got to give Missouri a good shot. Uh, especially being at home. I think it's going to be a close game, though, because I think Arkansas, along with Alabama, I think that you could argue that playing their that, that, that you could argue they're the two best teams in the West right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bird, but isn't watching this year's Missouri team a lot like watching an early Gene Stallings team with a special team defense? Absolutely. You roll back the clock, and that's exactly what you're watching. And it's actually kind of fun. I've enjoyed watching Missouri play this year. Um, we don't get as many games as I'd like to get. Uh, I think people will be surprised. It's going to be on TV this weekend, so don't miss it. I think and it's I'm, Friday afternoon, right? It is. It's Friday afternoon. and Well, you watch out blowing all your credit cards up. Stay home and pull from Missouri because we can whip Missouri's butt. I, I don't know that we can whip their butt, but I think that it, I would much be much more comfortable playing Missouri going into this SEC championship game because I think Georgia right now is a dangerous, wounded animal. And, uh, again, the, uh, the SEC championship game for Georgia would be much like the Auburn game is where we've got the damn number one on our back. So, And they have the ability, basically being on the home floor uh, over in the uh, Georgia Dome, uh, yeah, let's get Missouri in there. But but Arkansas guys, you know, when we when we blocked that that extra point, and I made a comment then, I said this is very very similar to the Tennessee game with '09. This is a this is a team of destiny. That's the turning point. Watch what happens from here on. Well, you know, luckily I've been right. But what what I'm seeing with these guys is that Arkansas now believes that they can play with anybody they want to play with, and they are playing with an awful lot of uh, not just passion, but they, they've really come together. They've come together as a defense. So I don't know, man, and that's a border war, guys. That's Arkansas and Missouri, two teams that really kind of don't like each other. Oh, I'm just pulling from Missouri because that's who I want to play in Atlanta. If we have to play Georgia, so be it. It'll be a tougher game for us. But we can beat either one of them. I just think we could uh, – I, I really think we could handle Missouri's offense. I do, too. I, I think it's fairly one-dimensional. It, and Matty Mock uh, is mediocre. I mean, they, he, he's done some good things, but he's done a bunch of bad things. Um, so I, I, I just don't see Matty as being a 
put the game on his back and win the game. He's just not that kind of quarterback. If Alabama and Missouri get into a shootout, Alabama will win by 30. Missouri's offense is stuck in the mud. Yep. It's been stuck in the mud for a month. Matty yep. Mox, he's a good kid, but he is not really a gamer. Uh, if, you, if you watch the Tennessee game, Tennessee probably should have won, but for two two real bad spec- secondary breakdowns, well, not breakdowns, I guess you could say the Missouri player made the made a great play, but that's really all that Missouri had were like a, a couple of long bombs. That, that was their whole offense. So. Yes. If Bama plays Missouri and Bama gets up two touchdowns, I mean, Alabama could win 14 nothing, quite frankly. But I think if it turns into a shootout, Mizzou doesn't have the horses. Well, we'll see. Something interesting about, about if, if we do play Missouri, uh, a lot of people know that uh, Coach Gary Pinkle and Nick Saban were teammates on the football team at Kent State back in the day. So that's an intriguing storyline. What a lot of people don't know is that while those guys were in school, there was an undergraduate player, uh, person there going through uh, that turned out to be a pretty well-known comedian, a guy named Richard Pryor. So they had to go uh, out against State back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. I, I didn't realize any of that. Yeah. I just, you know, got bored one day, started reading about Richard and he, so yeah, so that that's uh but we we're kinda of getting a little ahead of ourselves. We do have to dispatch Auburn first. Um why don't we for the people that didn't hear the first hour, uh go around the table here and give our score predictions again. I'm I'm again going uh Alabama thirty eight, Auburn seventeen. I've got Alabama winning thirty one twenty four. Uh would not be surprised if you were right though, Kerry. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at any of these scores, guys. Uh, I'm like 35-20, and it's, I think it's a t- two-touchdown game at the end of the day. Well, and I, I agree. I, 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 I'm going with 34-20. to 20. I just think this Alabama team's better on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's laughable to say Alabama's going to come in arrogant uh, to play Auburn. I mean, good grief. I mean, they, what they're going to come in is sick and tired of hearing about one second and sick and tired of flukes and BS luck for them for losing a football game. I mean, Auburn won the game. you got to give them credit. They had every lucky break in the world. Well, now they're going to get broken in half. And that's, that's what I'm hoping. And it's, I'll, I'll go with a Gary Rutledgeism from 1972. He told a story on the 2003 Legends Reunion. He said, we lost the game in 1972, and for a year we heard punt, bam, a punt. Well, 1973, it was score, Auburn score, because it was 35-0. Well, I think this year's Auburn team is last year's Auburn team, because you take away three plays, and they would have been 8-3 and or 8-4 and last year. And I I don't believe in all this gelling crap. Their defense is what it is. It's not very good. That's right. And you know what? It's it's a little damn late right now, Gus Bus, to be having any shit gel because your jello got stuck in a refrigerator sitting out behind one of your broken down trailers that doesn't have electricity in it, and it's still real gooey. It never firmed up, baby. So I'm ready for you to bring your your second rate, ugly ass uniforms with your cocky thug-like attitudes into Bryant-Denny Stadium, and I will promise you this, there will not be one fan from Alabama running down on the on the field if we kick the living crap out of those guys because you know what? 
we're Alabama. My grandson, guys, you get a kick out of this against Mississippi State. I got I had the absolute pleasure of taking my grandson to the games. Seven years old, fourth quarter, he leans over to me and says, "Bop, bop, we're going to storm the field. We beat these guys." I looked at him. I said, "Son, no." I said, "That number one, we're Alabama. We just don't do that." I said, "Have you ever heard what Bear said?" "No, sir." I said, "Son." If you score a touchdown, act like you've been in the end zone before, meaning do it with class. And he just he got it. He understood. And I said, no, we just don't do that. We are not Auburn. I tell you what, uh, we were kids. We used to sing a song while we were on field trips about the wheels on the bus. Blah, blah. The song this week is the wheels on the bus came off, 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 off. <laughs> I, 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 four weeks ago, I think the wheels on the bus have come off, and I Seriously, they, they have, they have. We, we can, uh, you know, some of our fans are, are scared of everything that wears orange and blue. Bottom line is, we're going to line up and we're going to flip their asses. Saturday. Yeah, we're bigger, we're better, we're deeper. We want I mean, it more. We want it uh, more. We, we've had to, we ha- we've had to chew. On, I, and, and guys, here's here's a, and it's nothing I can. I, again, it's just a feeling I had at the end of the year last year. I think that AJ lost that team. I think he that did. AJ. Hmm. He did. I agree, Greg. Okay, I think I think he absolutely lost that team. We do not have that dyma- dynamic in place this year. In fact, what we've got is uh, Bobby Boucher, the water boy, who was carrying everybody's clipboards for the past three years, who has stepped up now and has put up as good a number of any quarterback in the United States. And his team is rallying around him. And I can't remember who said it in the first of the show, but I want to say. Yay, verily, yay, amen. I think that that may be the absolute bottom line underscore three times what is making this Alabama team special because he was he was a nothing kid carrying A.J.'s uh, clipboard, and then all of a sudden it's just like, give me my shot. Well, they gave him a shot. You know what? He took it. And not only did he take it, he's made us proud, and he's made us proud every game. And I couldn't be – personally more thrilled for one young man than Blake Sims. Well-spoken, intelligent, articulate, and uh, cool as a cucumber. Go, Blake, go. Let's take that team and let's just keep rolling, baby. Roll Tide. And on that note, why don't we just go ahead and wrap up this uh, Iron Bowl edition of BAMS Radio. It has been one of our best ever. Uh, High comedy, high information, high, high breaking down, high everything. Bird gave us an update on himself. It's just been wonderful. So uh, the music has begun, and we're uh, counting down to kickoff at 645 ESPN. No Vernon Gary. Actual real announcers this week. That'll be great. And we'll see you at the tailgate. Please come to the band's tailgate. Right across the quad, more hall. Hosted by Big Ed Chuck's absolutely excellent barbecue. Look forward to seeing everybody down there. Everybody, I got to pass on a message from Murph Ball when he said that give everybody a happy Thanksgiving on BAMS Radio. You, Bird, Thomas, and Gary, and he really enjoyed being on with us again. And I thank you, Bird, for giving me this platform. I love this show every week, and uh, I hope you just want to continue to grow this BAMS Radio. And uh, I think it's the best uh, internet family of a sports radio show I've ever been a part of. Well, and we are a proud member of the BAMA sports radio family. So for Bird. I'm a bird. For Drew Armand of Alabama Intel and Thomas Watts of Alabama Intel, I'm Kerry Clark at BamaMag.com. Thank you for listening to the Iron Bowl edition of Bam's Radio, a member 
of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll Tide, everybody. And happy Thanksgiving.